0: This is Mark C. Frankel of Wayward Raven Media, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast.
1: Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master disaster, Josh45. What's up? And we have the second suitor, Mr. Tyler Brown. Hello there. And I'm CBS, Comic Book Steve. Yes, you are. That's true. Today we're going to be doing episode 188. And today the books we're going to be going over is uh, Poison Ivy, number one. Uh, This is a 2020 series from DC Comics. Metal Society, number one, from Image Comics. And uh, Jane Foster, the Mighty Thor, number one, from Marvel Comics. And then after all that, we have an interview with uh, Becky Cloonan. From the, uh, WonderCon, uh, out in Anaheim. So, this, uh, past, uh, I think it was in March, I think. I can't remember what month it was in. So, anyway, earlier this year, uh, fantastic lady. She's, uh, currently writing, uh, Batgirls and to the whole slew of other things she does that are is just awesome and she's a fantastic person to talk to. Uh, so we'll run that after, uh, the books. Um, uh, before all that, you want to do a little news? What's in the news? What's in the news? What's in the news? That's pretty good. That was good. Yeah. Well, this first little bit—I mean, guys, you might like, which I mean, it's part for the course. So who knows? Uh, DC. So, Tim Drake is going to be getting a new costume change. It doesn't look bad. It looks okay. Uh, for the new Chip Zdarsky and uh, uh, George Jimenez, uh Batman. So, issue number one twenty-five is where we're going to kick it off. The first uh, six-part story arc is uh, called Failsafe. And, uh, it's gonna include Tim as, as Batman's Robin. Which it has been a fair minute since that's happened. Cause we've had Damien and then for a while nobody. And at this point it'll be the first time in kind of a while since we've had Tim in there as the, uh, as the Robin for Batman. Uh, so the storyline there, we're going go up some new, against a new bad guy. So Zadarsky's gonna kick off it with a new bad guy, which means pretty normal, I guess. Uh, but that's pretty cool. I mean, as far as costumes are concerned, it's got kind of an armor-plated cha- chest and then, I mean, he's still similar to the... Red Robin? He, I mean, not not as much red. Okay. A little more green back in there. So, And nice. they are calling him Robin, not Red Robin.
2: Not Red
3: Robin, huh? So my green. Brain... I think that's the point of when you look in one of the books, the Poison Ivy book tonight, there's an advertisement. Mm-hmm.
2: For Dark Crisis? Is that what it is? And he's
3: right... I mean, you can see him in the original Robin costume right there.
2: Right. Oh, okay.
3: But then Damien's right there. Well, yeah. Well, Damien's got the gray, There's the well, main difference. But yeah, I know, but like, he's in, that's the original oh, yeah. third Robin costume. It's, it's basically what they're going for. I think I, I saw that the other day. So yeah, Look-wise,
1: yeah. Look it is similar to the old school. Skip. It's not the same, but it's similar. It's,
3: yeah, it's very, very similar. So.
1: But I think it looks pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. As far as going back to more classic, the main difference, like Tyler was saying, is that they're not calling him Red Robin, they're calling him Robin. Right. So... What that really means in the grand scheme of things, no idea. But uh, as far as a thing, it's been a fair minute since we made that distinction. I mean, for a while he was Drake, not for very long, but for a minute they gave him another name altogether,
2: so... I wouldn't be surprised to see Damien move on and be something else, actually. I mean, I know he's having something a little bit more to do with League of Shadows would be my guess, or League of Assassins, sir.
1: Well, in his own series, I mean, even though he's not... Technically wearing the Robin costume because it's the gray, and he's still exporting the R. So I don't really think it's that big a deal having two Robins, to be honest. I mean,
2: I, no, I don't either. I just think it would be cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it, it doesn't it doesn't make it confusing by any means.
1: Right. Well, I mean, style wise, they're very different. So, but yeah, as far as like a thing, that's neat. I mean, Jodorowsky's promising a lot with this series, and he's been killing it over Daredevil. So. His Batman the night is awesome, also. So.
2: Oh, I need to. Is wait. Is that the long, the long night? Uh, no, just
1: Batman the night. Okay. It's the one with the... This is a horrible way to explain it, but it's the only way I can figure out how to do it. It's like The Adventures of Young Bruce Wayne, except when I say that you think kid, that's not the case. Like issue one, yeah, he's like I don't know, maybe fourteen or something for part of the issue, but after that we jump to him being between eighteen and twenty one. Off in the world learning new traits and true and, and learning new techniques. Gotcha. Way before any costume. And it's, it's been cool. Uh, it's a 12 part, I think, and we're about halfway through it. So it's been good though. So as far as like series is, he brings that same like style and everything he's done, on Daredevil's been great. So I think that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, I like the idea we're getting a new costume and that we're getting some more Tim action in there. So that's cool. That's all I got about that. Thanks. Mr. Brown?
2: Uh, Joker 2 has officially been confirmed. Joker director Todd Phillips is co-writing the sequel. It is called Folie Adieu. Bless you. Thank you. Um, shared a picture the other day of Joaquin Phoenix reading the script. Sounds like it's being directed and written by Todd Phillips again. So, um, I, I liked the first one. I know you guys aren't big fans, but um, I don't know if I'm honestly excited for a a sequel. I think that movie stands really, really well on its own. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know if I'm super excited to see. Um, I thought about it last night I was like, where could that even go? And I was like, man, without, without bringing in like other people from the DC universe, you, I think you can only get away with what you did once. And that is, you know, okay, this is a Joker film, you know, okay, we'll show young Bruce and the Waynes and, you know, how everything happens. But I was thinking, I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if you can get away with just a solo film with him again running around causing, you mayhem. know, mayhem. Mayhem. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think you can.
1: I agree. Without bringing other pieces into it, like, what's the film really about then? I mean, if, by the time, if you, if you decide to drag Batman into it, well, then it's a Batman film. It's not a Joker film. Correct. So. Yeah, I mean, as far as a movie, it's a fine movie, and like we've all well, uh, a lot we've said on the podcast multiple times. I'm alone. Alone in this. It's not a bad movie. I think it's it's fantastic. Not
2: a Joker movie. I disagree.
1: If it was anything else, it would have got accolades, but it's not really a Joker movie.
2: It only got nominated for eleven Academy Awards. No big deal.
1: Because they saw the DC logo on it. Nah. Yeah, as far as the thing, okay, sequel, we'll see.
3: No, no, no. Like I. We've had this discussion so many different times, and I'm just, it's, the, the film is, it's a great script, it's a great story, it's a great film, it's just not Joker. It doesn't make any sense for
2: Joker ever. See, I, I disagree.
3: But why do you disagree? Give me an explanation to why, cause any, any origin story of Joker ever never comes from this, that's just, it's a completely new. Yeah, thing.
2: and I'm, I'm totally okay with it being a new thing. Okay,
3: well that's like having a Superman movie, and he's like a guy that like grew up in like, um, I don't know, Arizona, like, planting crops, and all of a sudden he's just like, Superman, just out of the, out of the blue, cause he's like, oh, I'm just a guy, I wanna be Superman now.
2: I think that's, I think that's a reach, but I mean, it's, it's, it's within the same realm. I mean, a guy kinda goes crazy, and it, it, the, I was thinking about this last night, Josh, cause I knew we were gonna have this conversation, and ultimately I think the point that, makes the most sense for me in the film is all it takes is one bad day. And that's kind of what I think Todd Phillips got across so well. And I think that while his take on it being a different origin story, I still think it's really, really well done.
3: No, it's a well done film. I'm not taking away from that. I know. I'm just saying that it's as far as the Joker goes, it's not a Joker film. See, I, I I disagree because the age that he is and any other thing ever, it just it makes no sense. It, it doesn't fit with anything else.
2: That's okay. It can stand on its own. We'll but see. again, just like I said, yeah, that's what I was telling we'll CBS. See. I think you can only get away with that one time. If you have a second film, it can't be just him running around doing, you know, what it may causing mayhem or whatever. I mean, if you're not bringing in other DC characters, you're probably not going to have that great of a film. I think, like I said, I think you can only get away with it once. Yeah, I just... I know you're not a fan. You also don't like Joaquin, so...
3: No, I, I, I liked the film as what it is. Like, if you would have called it the comedian and it was, like, a completely random, different person, like, the only thing that it connects it to the bat thing is the fact that they put the names in there, and they called it, instead of New York City, they called it Gotham, like, and they put the... The Wayne name in there randomly. Like, other than that, it would have never. It would have. Ne- if if I if I handed you that film, you ha- never having seen it, and I called it something else, and took like the Batman, you took the um the Wayne name out of there and, and called it New York or Chicago instead, you would have never known that it would have. Sh- you be like you? You would have never been like. You know what? That reminds
2: me of the Joker. You would have never said that. See, and I think the the thing that you don't like is the thing that I do like. I think that. It, it 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 was so good that if you took the Batman stuff out of it, it would still be a fantastic film. I mean, I I, I understand what you're saying, but I I I like think I said I think it's brilliant. What I also
3: don't like about it is the fact that you humanize the Joker. Not super annoying to me because he's supposed to be pure evil. And it's it's, it's the same reason I didn't like Venom, the same reason I didn't like a bunch of other things, like I'm tired of antiheroes. I'm tired of you taking a villain who's supposed to just be pure evil and pure bad and be like, oh, the reason he's bad is because of this reason. Like the, the whole, like, it just takes one bad day. I don't want that. I don't want, I don't want to humanize the Joker. The Joker is a terrible, terrible thing. And I don't want
2: to humanize that. I That's such a, but that, you know, it only takes one bad day is so tied to him and his identity that having that happen to him, I thought was super special.
1: Well, with the backstory and the origin, with there being multiple ones, that is definitely one of his origins. So that's mm-hmm. not far from the course. But I mean, I agree. This still doesn't seem like a Joker that matches anything. And making it his own Joker movie, then paint him different, give him blue eyes, give him he
2: did have different eyes. He has the same his makeup Joker is his look. No, his makeup is totally different. So is the the costume it was completely off course. I mean, that whatever you call it, like burgundy, that, that's a totally a pin different. Suit?
1: It just wasn't straight purple.
2: It's not purple, it's red.
1: Yeah. yeah. As far as colors, I mean, it's not. Joker's ruined things like that before, yeah, and that's he's true. notorious for purple, but what shade of purple? I mean, there's like 8 billion of them. Yeah. So you, as far as color scheme, I mean, it's the same. I get it. Same thing. It's it's just another adaption of his costume, and there's been plenty of costumes that the dudes wore. Even, I guess, 6060, 60, other than the few gel scenes
2: he's always worn. He's purple. always, yeah. Yeah. Or the stripes, yeah. Right. I'm dying on this hill.
1: No, you're fine. It's not... You know, <laughs> not it's, letting it, it go. It's fine. We'll see, we'll see what the sequel does. The sequel, the sequel pays off that I guess maybe... maybe, maybe I maybe don't... Like I said,
2: I, I, I was not necessarily excited. I think that film is fantastic on its own, and making a sequel is going to be rough.
1: Well, and some other style news. Um, so they revealed the Fortnite Spider-Man Iron Man style costume, which is the downloadable content from the first issue of Fortnite versus Marvel. So, there's pictures of that up on the internet, and I guess they gave it early to a couple of uh, streamer gamers to show it off. Nice. So, uh, if you are a Fortnite player and you want a Spider-Man costume, that is an issue one of the series, and that is out actually this week. So, they're doing the same thing that DC did before. Um, story, of course, different, but as far as references are concerned, what they're going to have for downloadable content is a couple different costumes, some other items, maybe you get all six and you get some special item at the end or some special costume. So it's a uh, same packaging, just Marvel flavored.
2: While we're on the video game topic, tomorrow um, is kickoff for uh, a bunch of video game things that happening this weekend. But specifically, Marvel flavored. What do you know about Marvel Midnight Suns?
1: Midnight Suns is an old school series that had Ghost Rider, and uh, one version has Morbius, and at one point Blade. Uh, Midnight Suns was like a, I don't know, like a dark version. They weren't ever Justice League, I guess. It was like if you took all the shadowy dark, like justly dark idea. Okay. And then wrapped it up in a Marvel flavoring. That's kind of what it is.
2: So there's a game coming out and they're going to show a bunch of things tomorrow about it. Um, oh, it's cool. a strategy game, but Wolverine's in it, Blade's in it, Ghost Rider's in it. There's a bunch of really cool, um, yeah. So if you, if you're interested, tomorrow would be would what's tomorrow? The Night? Yeah, The Night. Yes. Should, should be released by then. So yeah. Cool. Marvel Midnight Suns.
1: I'm going to switch over to DC for a second again. Do it. Um, so DC is going to be expanding their Dark Knights of Steel universe, their series. Uh, they're going to be expanding it with a prequel one-shot. And this is going to be... Uh, the title for it is, is called The Dark Knights of Steel, The Tale of the Three Kingdoms. And uh, the one-shot's being written by Tom Taylor, uh, Jay Kristoff, C.S. Pact. And uh, it's got several artists on it, but the main artists they have listed is Nathan Gooden, which is awesome because Nathan is the dude from Barbaric, and Barbaric is fantastic, uh, from Vault Comics. So Nathan's showing up uh, as the primary artist on there. They've got several other names listed, so it's, it's him and then others. It's how most of the write-ups have it written. Uh, but that's really cool because Nathan's great. Uh, if you listen to the show regularly, we've talked about his book before, and there's an interview with him in, uh, I don't know, a couple months back, Michael Morisi, they did a dual interview on the podcast. But I think it's awesome that he's landing on a DC book. That's cool. Um, so the idea is that the story's gonna tell, um, the readers, or the readers of the series about how the land became the way it is and talk about the three different families, and the three heirs. Uh, it's scheduled to come out September 6th. It's a 48 page book. So I imagine the three writers on there, we got three probably short stories is what the truth is. Um, but as a thing, that should be cool. If you're not reading Dark Knights of Steel, it's basically DC if it happened in King Arthur time. And it's pretty cool. Art's been great. Story's been real neat, so it's it's cool. Um, that's all I got about that.
2: Uh, next news I have is the Sandman trailer dropped the other day. Oh, uh, that's cool! It is coming to Netflix in August. I've never read the Sandman, but I hear fantastic things. Did you guys happen to see the trailer? I did. Looks good. Did, yeah, does it? I mean, I mean, in comparison to because you've read the the Sandman, right?
1: Pieces of it. I never really read all of it. I know there's a lot sammy has got a lot of books. So that was never... Was a lot, yeah. Growing up, that was, was more of a... C- Craig... Sorry, Transformer guy. Oh, okay. Or he's more of a Craig thing that was a me thing. Gotcha. Um, so, I, I mean, I read some of those issues and I read some of the stuff that David and I did read... um, I'm not sure what was it called, Overture, uh, which is like a prequel to the original series. And it's all good stuff. I mean, prequel was done by J.H. Williams for the art. um, it, But it sets up as a prequel to the original story. And the very first story... Basically we have some guys who try and capture Death the entity which is his sister and they mess up and they catch Dream instead and that's kind of how it all launches. <laughs> but yeah, there's lots of Sandman and
2: Yeah, I know there's a bunch. It, it seems
3: a- like that this that's where this is he's been captured and gets in gets free. That's how the this trailer looks that like that's what I got. Yeah, that he yeah, was so, captured somehow. So sometime. he's been gone and then when he comes back to like the dream world like Things aren't answering to him or talking... Like, he doesn't have as much power as he did at once, so he's he's got to figure it out. So, like, so that's that's where it seems like it picks up at.
1: That's cool. Yeah, as far as the thing, I mean, there's lots of Sandman in the world. And, like, there's lots of... They've recently, I don't know, maybe two years ago, started with a, an imprint. I, can't, I don't remember what, what year it was. It's been a minute, but it's not been that long.
2: Wasn't it a part of the Constantine thing for a little while? Well, I remember Constantine that. Constantine
1: had a book inside of
2: it. Oh, that's what it was. So they, okay. they
1: did an imprint called Sandman Universe, which was basically an Neil Gaiman imprint. And he only shepherded the first book, like he wrote the first launching book, and then a bunch of other series pulled out of that by other writers. The most current one happening right now is being written by James Tenyan, and it's called Nightmare Country. So they're all stories based on ideas from Neil, but Neil's not really writing them. I mean, as a thing, he might be in there advising, but he's not uh, the primary writer on on any of them, really. Um, But that's also how he connected Lock and Key to the Sandman universe, And yeah, there was a Constantine run inside there too, which way I understand the show's supposed to have Joanna Constantine, so the sister.
2: Yes, she's yeah, she's cast to yeah, the sister's in it. I remember reading an article about that.
1: So I mean, that's that's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that works. I mean, as far as shows are concerned, the guy they had playing John before was just fantastic. I mean, uh, Matt Ryan, so good.
2: Oh, yeah, in the, in the original Constantine show? Oh,
1: well, yeah. Well, and he was the, the one in Legends of Tomorrow also. Oh, yeah, he recently. was in Legends Tomorrow, yeah. And he's done the voice for the two voice of the movies. In the anime, in
2: the I haven't yeah. seen the animated. I didn't know he did the voice for that. Yeah, they're good. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I hear it. Really
1: And he's killer. Like, as far as the thing, like he was just so, so good. He just wound up on the wrong network and it caused the show not to do well.
0: Well,
3: um, yeah, I, a thousand percent. I'm not disc- it, I'm not disagreeing. It you, seemed well liked, right? Well, the problem with it is it, it's a Vertigo title initially, and there's no. It's like it's kind of like if you put Preacher on the CW. That's yeah,
2: fair. Yeah, Lyser. that's
3: not the same thing. But you see, what I'm saying though, like yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah. Yeah. it was. It's the well, but the but Preacher was on yeah. FX, and so like they could get away with it a little bit more. Yeah. You can't get away with it on Fox, which I think, I think, uh, Constantine, Constantine was on Fox, right? No,
1: it was on NBC. Yeah. NBC or ABC. It was on Fox. It was on one of the, C- one, it was one of them on the two, it was two on, nationals. It, it wasn't
3: on CW. No. And it wasn't it on It must M- be on
1: CBS then, because CW and CBS, CBS were Channel good. three,
3: so no. Regardless, it, anyway, you're right. Yeah, you it's can't. A, it, anyway, it was, a ne- it was a network, and so they have different rules on those big networks, and so, you know. That's the whole point of it, and like that's a show that needs to be. I think it would be super successful now if you put it on HBO Max, because like, or what you know, one of those things. Be, but it would have to be HBO Max with DC, sure. right? Right. Okay. But like, if the, you put it on there, then it could be swearing and a lot more violence, and like that's it's. It was real weird with like the witchcrafty, like demon possessions, and like it needed to be more like that, and it was really great. In that direction, it just needed to be more that direction. And, like, they were just, they were just, like, skipping stones across the pond when he wanted to be swimming in the pond.
2: I think I only saw, like, the first two episodes, but I, I did think it was good.
3: Oh, it was fantastic for what, like, they were going in the right direction. That's, like, when people are like, oh, they need to do
2: another Keanu Reeves one. No, they don't. I, he, he was terrible. I love the Keanu Reeves Constantine movie. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. No, I agree. It's not that character, 100%. But I and, l- and again,
3: I, it goes along the same thing about the, the Joker thing. It's not the same character. It doesn't make any sense. It's a different character. I I, I get what you're saying. It's a, it, you're doing a theatrical version of something that's it's. Just, uh, I love that
2: movie. I I don't, I don't know why I always have.
1: So there, it was on NBC. NBC. That's who had it. I just looked it up to make sure that's true because I tell people that all the time, and I was like, "Is it really C- CBS?" Because that would make it some more. It wasn't
3: CBS. and It wasn't ABC. Yeah, I, I remember it was in a later channel. It's
1: NBC. Yeah, NBC. Who, who, who had it? So the series originally ran on NBC,
2: and not their, something you could stream on Peacock.
1: Well, their their plan was, I think, to have it run like how Grimm was doing and how Once Upon a Time was doing, and all those shows rely on kind of big love triangles. Sure. And like Constantine, that's not how that works. I mean, John, if you're his friend, you would probably get dead. Yep. And when he end- doesn't have
3: any friends, yeah, right? He just hates everybody. Well, he hates Chaz, more but than hates even so well. Chaz is like
1: it's reluctant by mistake. So, like, and even that, like, when they introduced Chaz in the show, I think it had two things working against it. It seemed like it had two pilots, because the very first episode, we have, we meet this girl, and her power is that her blood will lead you to a mm-hmm. couple of things mm-hmm. on the map. And the second episode, she has left, she left them a map with some of her blood, and we meet a brand new girl who looks not the same, but very close And her name is Zed, and Zed gets flashes of the future and draws them. But it's a totally different person. She just looks very samey. And we kill Chaz in the first episode, and then we kill him again in the second episode, which does get explained by, like, the fourth or fifth episode. Mm. But his death and return is treated like nothing with no explanation, and that almost takes too long to get there. So it's just the pacing is kind of off, but the show is great. Had it been on another network, like Josh was saying, if it had been on another network, I think it would have done much, much, much better. And the fact that Matt Ryan was just so good at it that they kept him around for other shows after the fact is yeah, awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. if he would have just been bollocks at it, then he would have never have been the voice. Can he would say, never showed you say up in the like sure. said, But bollocks is a British word.
2: Can say bollocks on the show? It's a British word. It's good to know. No one knows what it means. It's good to know.
1: Not even I know what it means. I know what it means. There you go. But even on Legends tomorrow, it's the same guy, right? So, like, when it comes to casting, they liked him enough to have him to cross him over, even in the height of that show getting canceled. There is even a joke like his first showing, his first appearance in the CW shows is on is on Arrow, right? I don't know if it's the very first episode he's in or the second episode he's in, but he shows up in the episode and they need to do they try and cast some spell to get um Sarah, so the White Canary, Katie Lutz, yes, uh, her soul back into her body, and he tells Felicity. That he needs a list of items, and one of those items is a peacock feather. Well, she brings all the items back to, to the to the arrow cave because that's basically what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, "What well, did you need the feather for?" It? And he takes it and he uses it to scratch his back. He's like, "Oh, I had something to scratch on my back." <laughs> it's a whole mock of NBC. Like he's, I gotta get, I gotta get something off my back that it's, is that's been bothering clever. me. It's hilarious. That's clever. So like, just the. The fact that they liked him so much they were willing to bring him (laughs) over from totally different shows and land him in the same role proves that it had merit. It just was one of those shows that when it comes to funding and style, it doesn't even belong on CW. CW also relies on a bunch of
2: teenage hijinks. Yeah, Arrow is nothing, Arrow and Flash are nothing but love triangles. Like I, I, I love both those shows and I think they're great, but the love triangles, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't need to see this again.
1: Right. So it's the same kind of problem, which is why I don't think they ever try to do a season two. And I can't imagine it would have been cheap because the effects in the first season were really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the weird demon stuff and the, the crazy, just the first episode alone. Yeah. The crazy ghosts and the, it's, it's awesome. But yeah, it, I mean, he got short change, So I guess we'll see if that lands anyplace else in the world, but you know, there's that.
2: Well, we went on a tangent there. Yeah. Went Sand, Mandaka. There you go.
1: Uh, do you have any more news?
2: I just want to talk about the Black Adam trailer and get your guys' thoughts. That, sure. That's that's the last of my news is Black Adam. I am super excited. I think it looks great. I love Dr. Fate. Um, I think he looks fantastic. I thought Adam Smasher looked amazing. Uh, the guy playing Hawkman I uh, really liked the costume.
1: Oh, yeah, he looks really cool. Really liked the
2: costume. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm super excited for um, Black Adam. I really am. I
1: mean, yeah, the trailer looked really cool. Um, lots of cool vigils in it. I mean, there's a scene where he's got the two people with in the van, and there's a rocket that gets fired, and he catches the rocket. And the girl's like, hang hey, on, did he just catch the rocket? And the guy says it. Yeah. like, did he just catch the rocket? And they're both like, yeah.
2: They roll up their windows, they have to crank up their
1: windows. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, as far as the thing, it looks really cool. The few scenes we see of the other characters look really cool. I like that the voiceover being done by Pierce Brosnan. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I like how when we get, when they give us that piece of from Hawkman that you have to decide to be a hero or not mm-hmm. be a hero. Mm-hmm. I like how that's in there. So I don't know. It looks really cool. I, Are I
2: mean, you interested in all that, Josh? Because he's technically probably going to do what you don't like, and that is become an anti hero.
3: Well, Black Adam's never he's always been kind of gray like from
2: a long long time. Ago. So as long as it's true to form you're good with it. Yeah, I'm okay cool. with it. Like I just don't like I mean yeah, I, mean, I get what you're saying. The Venom thing I'm totally with you. And again those Venom movies are garbage. Sorry. Oh, no, they really are. You are Both correct of them. You are correct.
3: Even though I lost a bat on the second one it's you still did. garbage. You film. Did. But like just turning That was a numbers game. But, that was That was. But yeah. turning literally everything into an anti-hero like is so lame to me. Like, I'm so over that. Like, they need to just, like... It's kind of like when you see Vader in the new Obi-Wan series, and we'll get to that. Like, spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm going to say spoiler now. So if you... if you Fast forward 15 seconds, it's not going to take very long. But when he's like... You ready? Are you listening? 15 seconds? Okay, go. When he's walking down that dirt road and he starts snapping people's necks, like, pulls that person out of that window and breaks their neck and just kills him because he's just a pure villain... That's what I want. To it say. was
2: dope. If you're a villain, be a villain. So dope. I forgot to ask you about that. But, I mean, but again, it just, so cool. just be a villain. You're a right. villain. That's right.
3: it. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want, like, somebody's like, well, but they're a villain because they got poked in the eye by a kid on the street when they were five. <laughs> I don't care, dude. Like, you're a villain. Play, like, your, play your role. Somebody yeah. blew up Superman's planet and he's not a villain. Right. You know what I mean? Somebody murdered Bruce Wayne's parents, and he's not a villain. Like, true. Be a hero, or don't be. Like, don't do. Don't. well, oh, there's a reason. Like, we got to humanize him. Quit humanizing villains. I don't like it he, there's,
2: there is some gray sometimes, but there's not. You think Zod was? No, Zod's a straight up bad guy. Yeah, it was, I was. I was just saying. I I, I was thinking. I was like, yeah, he. He's a straight. Michael up, Shannon is so good he's in a that film. Maniac. Yeah, like, yeah. He's out of his mind. Well, good to know. I'm glad you don't just like. Hate all antiheroes; it just has to be true to form. Well, like the
3: Punisher, literally is an ant- that is the true form of an antihero. Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. sure. That, that's like his family was murdered, and so he's like, "I'm going to murder bad guys." That's what I'm like. But he was meant to be that way. He wasn't just like one day be like, "I'm going to be a bad guy and I'm just going to do a bunch of bad things." Like he's killing. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Right. The purpose that's there is a purpose from the beginning, and I, I mean I can get behind the the shift in Venom, but it is a little it's not the same thing either. And like, the difference between the two things is where they start from and where they, what they've been for so long.
3: But Venom was literally a bad guy. Right.
1: Oh yeah. Right. No, agreed. And like, some of the stuff they've rat-conned out of the story is all because of other things that have happened, or ratcon, excuse me. Good job. Out of the stories from other reasons, because we don't know exactly what's happened now because of things changing. And Spider-Man Mary Jane, never being married. Like, that undoes a lot of that stuff. And as far as a the character, they fleshed him out over the years to make him work. ...as an anti-hero, and with that in mind, I mean, it's it's not the same thing as the Joker. Sure. They're two different kind of things, and they, they don't fit in the same wheelhouse.
2: But Black Adam's always been an anti-hero, so always, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah? He's
1: very, I mean, just like Dr. Doom, yeah, he's a bad guy, but sometimes Doom does things because he's trying to do them to protect his own people. Right. And granted, he's protecting them by putting a boot on their throat, but it doesn't change that not every single element of him is bad. And it hasn't been, because a lot of his, like, like Namor, or Aquaman, sure. when they have to turn on certain things, maybe not Aquaman, because he doesn't
2: usually... Not as much, but future, Na- Namor or, does, yeah. the
1: surface, but Namor does. Yeah. And he comes from a place of protection for something else, and Black Adam's been that way the entire time. I mean, where he originally starts from with his son sacrificing himself, all that stuff is real things in the comics. And yeah, he generally lands on the upside side of bad, but I mean, even on this podcast, like, I don't know, gosh, was it last Christmas, two Christmases ago? Oh. We had that New Year's Evil book that we went over that written by Ram V. Oh. It wasn't a full book. It was one story in the New Year's Evil special. And Ram V wrote it. And it was all about a Christmas story where Black Adam shows up and in, they're in Kyrgyzstan or wherever he's from. And there's a little kid on top of a... a I don't think that's the right place. I don't really remember the yeah,
2: name. Yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't think that's how you say it.
1: Either way. So there's a little girl sitting on top of the building and she's crying and... Black Adam flows down next to her, and he's like, Why are you crying, child? And she's like, Well, I don't think Santa Claus comes here. I mean, we're from America, and now we live here, and I'm just, I don't think I'm going to get to see Santa Claus this year. And he's like, Who is this Santa Claus? And so she explains to him how Santa Claus works. If you're a good kid, you get presents. If you're back, you get coal. And after unloading all of it on him, he's like, I got this. And he flies off, and next thing you know, he's up in the North Pole smashing through icebergs, till eventually he finds a hidden city. Conduct. 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 So once he finds the hidden city, inside of it, there are elf type people. Now they're not like our classic little gnome sized people, like elf style. They're like Lord of the Rings style elves. And initially the guards try to stop him and that doesn't work so good because he's back at him. And as he whoops his way through the city to eventually gets to the main throne rooms and finds Santa Claus, again more of a Gandalf Santa Claus than a Coca-Cola Santa Claus. And he takes the whoop of Santa Claus. And Santa Claus is like, I don't know what you what are you doing? Like what is going on? eventually, he slows down enough in the fight to talk to Santa Claus, and he tells him you're going to bring kids of my nation, all presents, and if there has to be, I'll take all the coal. And it's like, huh. So that's the turning point with him. Like He knows he's a bad kid, but he's willing to take all the bad kids coal so that all the kids can get a present. And like, that's his whole like mindset, and it's how it's always been. So he's always been like a gray kind of not really a hero, because again, he's willing to kill. Sure. But as a thing, his place in the world, that's how it fits. So, I mean, that's the best parable to explain by Adam, I think, really ever. I mean, Ram V is fantastic. I can't, I talk about that story so much. It's crazy.
2: Uh, the, the the music in this trailer was awesome. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. It's, if you don't know, it's Jay-Z and Kanye's Watch the Throne, Murder to Excellence. So cool. So cool, little remix. I thought it was excellent. Anyways, I loved it.
1: We've got two more tiny pieces. Like, one of them is something I don't know if it's true or not, but I would really, really love to believe it's true. So, I'm going to end with that one because it's nice. Um, it's so the second one, or the next last one. Second to last one? Take two. Second to last one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Ken Kelly, uh, who's a claimed artist, painter, uh, he'd done tons of covers, best known for Conan, Tarzan, Kiss, Man of War, uh, he did a bunch of the, uh, uh, Warner Comics Creepy and uh, Eerie Eric magazine covers. Uh he passed away um last week, seventy seventy six years old. Uh the man is credited with over one hundred painted comic book covers. Credited. And uh, a whole lot of albums. So Kiss's a uh, destroyer, that uh Kiss album, he did the art on the cover from it. And uh he did a ton of other art a ton of other like album covers for other bands. But like as a thing the dude did so much stuff that, I mean, it, a lot of album covers don't get recognized for like who does them unless you're just baller. And he was connected to Frank Fazetta too. He's his nephew actually. Uh, but he did, he, he was in the industry for 50 years doing art. So the guy started from like young, late, well, mid twenties, I guess. But like as a thing, the only other people that are like him rock star wise would be like Alex Ross and that's cause he's current. Sure. Um, but yeah, so Ken Kelly, he, lots of Conan graphic novels, lots of, uh, normal, like, paperback book covers. So, I mean, that, I mean, it's a thing, you get old and that happens, but as a thing, if you guys have never heard of Ken Ken Kelly, I would suggest looking him up, take a look at some of his art, because the guy was fantastic. Um, so that's the last bit of, like, news news I have. This next bit is something that I heard today, and I would really love to believe it's true. I don't know if it's true, because I don't know how you'd fact check this. Uh, But our new uh, Miss Marvel that launched this weekend, or this week, yesterday,
2: I believe it's just, is yes, today, Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. I think it's today. Oh, it was today. Oh no, it's today. Today's Obi Wan.
1: Yeah, but no, no, oh, no, no. They're no, both on Disney. Right. plus yet yeah. As like, we
3: record the same day. Oh, gotcha. Okay. As we we record this, they're they're coming out the same. Day. Oh, are they? They're both Wednesday. The, for, we talked about it on. did That's We right, talked about it? never Maybe. been done. Maybe it's the first time that like Mar- Marvel slash Disney slash Star Wars himself. are like. Release two shows at the same time. Yeah, that's right, we did.
1: So, okay, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, Miss Marvel, which should be playing as this episode is out, so if you're listening to it now, you should be able to watch it on Disney+. Um, I don't know if this is how you say your name or not.
2: Yeah, that's, it's a hard... I, yeah.
1: Uh, Eamon Val, Valensa? Valin, I don't know how to say her last name. I can't even... Valene? Velini Alini Valene.
2: Valene, Valene, Valene,
1: Valene. Valene. Valene well, how do you say her name, which is not probably good, but that's... Amena Valini. That's what I'm going to go with. Hopefully that's right. If it's not, I'm very sorry. So what I'd heard is that she, being a fan of the comic books, also in her young age and researching comic books, apparently at some point she was given Kevin Feige's phone number. And something that has been driving me nuts from the Doctor Strange movie apparently drove her nuts also so much so that she sent him a message. And his response back was that he's right. And that she's wrong, and then during the movie playing, she sent another text message that was about how he was wrong, and he sent back a frowny face. And, like, I, Josh, you still haven't watched Doctor Strange, have you? Nope. I don't think this piece will kill it for you, and if you guys haven't seen it, I don't think this will actually kill it. But, I mean, you might. I don't know. What, what is the Vince Vaughn says earmuffs?
3: <laughs> earmuffs. E- earmuffs. You're going to ruin it for me because I'm on my hair. But
1: that's not. It just doesn't change the movie itself. There's just something that happens in the movie that numbers the universes. And in doing so, it seems like an insult to comic readers. But Kevin Feige really wants his universe to be the prime universe and doesn't care. Anyway, I like to believe this is a true story, because if she's really like, you're wrong, Kevin Feige, I think that is hilarious. First, that she has his phone number. Second, that she's sending a message during a movie premiere. And third, that she thinks he's wrong. I think that is awesome has to do with numbering. the You've seen the movie. How do you yep. not know what I'm talking about? Don't know if I recall. Oh, my gosh. It's infuriating.
2: All right. We'll have to talk about it later.
1: At some point, we'll do a Doctor Strange episode, and then you hear all my nonsense about stupid numbers. And then you'll all say, we're dumber for hearing that. And I'll say, <laughs> well, only a little bit. You know? Only a little bit. Well, just a little. Just a little. It's not, it didn't kill all your brain. It's fine.
2: Just a few cells. You got enough.
3: I mean, I figure you have extra. It's fine. Hmm. It's fine. So you think that Kevin Feige wants the the cinematic universe to be the, the main universe? From what I've been told in this story,
1: if the story is true, I believe that. Be he told fact. you this story? I heard it from a dude. at The story today.
3: So you heard it from a guy that heard it from somewhere else? Yes. Okay.
1: Like I, prefaced, I just want
3: to. I just wanted to clarify. Like that. I prefaces. So the you story. heard it from a guy who yeah. heard it from a place.
1: That's how telephone works, dude.
3: Yeah, that's why you're wrong. No offense. Okay. He, okay. he so said next he,
1: time you call him up, yeah, you ask oh, I know, him. I know. What he I know. I just wanted to be like, and then you can be sure about where, it. Listen, well, you well, call
3: Kevin Feige. When and I you. Ask was li- Kevin. But when I was listening to you tell the story, it sounded as if you like maybe saw it somewhere on the internet, and you saw it somewhere. I, w- I did. Yeah, I did.
1: When I did first it. opened up, I said there was something I had heard, and yeah. I didn't know
3: how you would ever fact check it. Okay, that's why I was like. So I assumed. That the way that you said it, that you'd read it somewhere on the line. We'll I know, on the, I, d- I did too. Yeah. That you heard yeah. it on the line. Speaking of Vince Vaughn, that you heard it on the line. That's somewhere. a good one. That movie's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. If, if nobody knows, if if you catch that reference, then you're really cool. But um, but if you heard it's it on movie. the line, then maybe that like I don't know. It could maybe be some rumors, the truth to it. But like it, I said, but some guy, I some person at the store was like, "So I heard that Kevin Feige <laughs> wants to make it his thing," and you're like, "It, could, yeah, man." he said, where'd you hear that? Well, I was reading on a thing that somebody said a thing on Reddit, but then the Reddit thing came from the dark web.
1: You know, like that was oh. I mean, that's a lot extra than what the truth is, but sure.
3: Well, that's like a lot of times like Reddit or Facebook or Instagram, but most of the time like real like nerds, like real proper like fans, I guess you'd call them, but like, and I say nerds in a positive way. Get their information from Reddit these days because Reddit's a, about the best source when it comes to social medias. So,
1: now, if you figure out a way to Google it and figure out whether that's a true thing or not, I would like you would, to believe you would true never
3: way. be able to find that out. Though. That's what I said. Nobody's ever going to admit it. That's
1: how I started the whole no, I conversation. <laughs> I know. It's like you weren't here a minute ago. No, I, No, I'm I, saying, You were here because I saw you. You're sitting right there.
3: I know, but you, <laughs> I, I'm responding to you being like, I don't know how you'd Google that. You couldn't Google it because right. you would have to have like. Access to somebody's phone.
1: Right, exactly.
3: I don't and know I how you'd saw, ever prove I, it. Some of you couldn't. It's like you I weren't even here.
1: It's like, right. <laughs> My God. I would love to believe that it's true. Uh, why? Because if that's the case. Because you want
3: to not like Kevin Feige?
1: No, I like Kevin Feige just fine. I think everything he's done is fantastic. Do I think it should be the primary Marvel Universe? No, I don't. The comic books are the primary Marvel Universe because they've been around longer. And that's where all those ideas come
3: from. So it's the primary universe, not the movies. Well, I think I think that that's not going to change, though. That's yeah. why I, I think we that can talk about it after you watch Doctor Strange. No, okay. Um, it's one film in the in the MCU, though. But the thing I'm talking about is
1: a primary piece from that movie. And by primary, I means a piece that's in that movie that doesn't make the movie bad or good, because it's tiny. But in order to save, you know, spoiling parts of the movie for you. That's the only reason I didn't say yeah, it. Yeah, I really don't care. But but Oh my time,
3: god. By the time we get an actual copy of that and I get and I watch it like I'm to It'll be on
2: Disney Plus at the end of this month. Pum pum bum. So you'll be able to watch it at the end of this month, Josh.
1: after all that nonsense, um are we moving to books? Are we starting with Poison Ivy or starting with Thor? Starting with Poison Ivy? We're
2: ending with Thor.
1: Oh that's right. Okay. So, that's right. It's that's like you I didn't even listen. It's like you weren't even here. It's like I, you weren't here. <laughs> I know. There's <laughs> occasions that... Touche. Yeah, there you go. So, do you want to tell the story about Poison Ivy there, Tyler? I will. Just to let you know, there
2: will be spoilers. So, this is Poison Ivy number one. Humanity has its chance. Uh, writer G. Willow Wilson and Marcio... Takara is the artist. So we start out um, big panels, um, beautiful, beautiful vistas. There's you know grass everywhere, and um, it, this is all kind of written. It would appears to be on a note um, from Poison Ivy's um, point of view. She um, says, "I know what you're probably thinking. It's I've been through uh, Ivy's been through a lot. Split into multiple beings, fused back into one." gained unfathomable powers, lost unfathomable powers. After all that, she's really, really pissed off. From there, we see a dead goat um, kind of laying in a in the ground. Um, it's got a bunch of foliage. It's a cow. It's a cow. Oh, you're right. It is it's a cow. It's all the cattle. Oh, yeah. They say that later, don't they? My bad. It's a cow. Not that matters, though. Yeah, yeah, well. It's a cow. Um, we see a bunch of foliage and mushrooms and um, things growing out of its head. Um, and the inner monologue just kind of continues to go talking about the story is actually about love, not about anything else. You see a little lizard kind of roaming around. And then we see two guys in a truck. Um, one of them, talking about their, his grandpa, you know, needing to be put in a home and, um, it's the other guy, it's his son and, and, and son and father. Um, from there they slam on the brakes and go, what the hell is that? God almighty what has happened to these cows? And they run across these cows that have mushrooms growing out of their spores and stuff growing out of their their head. There's brain matter and stuff. They see something, and, she, and he says, don't get any closer, don't touch anything. And the boy says, what's all that growing out of there? And we see in green, this green bubble, it says, it's a colony of, wow, that's a big word, uh, oficordyceps. And then we see Ivy. Um, she says, it in layman's terms, they're parasitic mushrooms. Um, your animals don't didn't suffer before death. Lamia in dices is a feeling of relaxed euphoria. We get our title page and then we come down and it says, Nature is a cruel just as it is efficient. He points the gun at her and he's like, Hey, you know, you need to get off my property and she's like, And if I don't and he's like, then I'll, you know, shoot you. And he's like, I mean it. I'm sick of you Greenpeace types destroying honest folks living. She says, I sympathize, I, I sympathize, I'm sick of them too, but I'm afraid I'm some uh, something much worse. She touches the gun and he says, you really want to die, don't you? He goes, no, I just want to watch. And he, she whispers in his ear and she says, you're dead already. And spores immediately start spewing out of this guy's neck and throat and he crashes to the ground and he's got mushrooms already grown out of him. Out of all those face holes, it's gross. It is pretty gruesome. Yeah. Pretty, all of his face holes. It's pretty gruesome. Um, from there we see Ivy and she jumps into a van. She says, There's things I have to do, miles, miles to go before I sleep and all that. I borrowed this van from Katie and Kyle back in Colorado. They're coming along nicely. And she looks in the back and we see Katie and Kyle and they are, uh, just like the formers. They are
1: also p- crazy plant-faced.
2: Decaying. Messing. Yeah. 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 It's gross. It's like a plant with human teeth. It's really scary.
1: Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, uh, it's pretty nightmare fuel.
2: So she puts on her shades and she starts to go. She says, "I take the back roads, crisscross counties, do everything I can to cover my tracks. I'm going to Lima, uh, with as much time as possible to spare. I need to uh, be ahead of the Bat Family, who are bound to show up sooner rather than later, and the Green Man." Who, given his moods, I expect imminently. I'm guessing she means swamp, swamp thing. thing. Yeah. Yep. That's us thinking. I. That's what I thought. I was like, that's so cool. I oh, yeah. hope so. They've yeah, had, me too. They've
3: had runs before. Me too. Only thing that would make
2: this cooler. So, she ends up, uh, driving along, and she comes to a diner. Looks more of a truck stop. She opens it, and the lady's, you know, the waitress is like, What can I get you? And she goes, Whatever you got on tap. She says, you feeling okay? You're looking a little green around the gills. She says, Do I? Oh. She's, she's, and she's, of course, her inner monologue. She's so nice. I'm fine, honestly. I just had a long day. Kind of thinks to herself, and, you know, she's, again, the inner monologue, you know, talking to somebody, you know, wishing you were here, and, um, even after all the things I said. And from there, we see kind of a flashback to, um, her and Harley, and their, Kind of talking um, in bed. Harley's obviously been crying. She's got makeup everywhere. Um, she's Harley says, uh, can we talk about this? I don't understand why you're so angry. and Ivy says, she took away everything that ever mattered to me. And you just stood back and let it happen. And Harley says, we were trying to save your life. And she, uh, Ivy says, you saved the only part of me that didn't matter. Harley says, please come back to bed. I can explain. I swear it's not like that. I would do anything, anything to make sure you weren't hurt. And she's like, thing is, uh, you know, I believed her. I believe she was telling the truth. They kiss and, uh, she kind of walks out and that's the end of that little memory. So next in the diner, uh, we have two gentlemen who come up to her and they're like, Hey, are you a lot lizard? And she's like, No, no, kind of go, go away kindly. She goes, I work in landscaping. (laughs) Right. Which is basically true. Yeah. She goes, you mean like flowers and stuff? And she's like, something like that. Anyway, have a good night, boys. She gets her stuff and, and starts getting ready to leave because we were having such a nice conversation. They follow her outside, and of course they pursue, saying they can offer her money, so on and so forth. Um, she just decks one of them right in the face and kicks the other right in the gut. One of them's kind of run away. He's like, hey, I really don't want any problems. And she says, you have no idea what trouble looks like, do you? And she blows out of her hand this kind of, pink and green mist, and of course our people turn into... Nightmare fuel. Nightmare fuel. Nightmare fuel, yes. Yeah. That is a... So they can kind of see that they're connected with the Earth, and they can kind of see what she sees, Um, and they're like, why are you so scared? You know, it's beautiful, blah, 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 blah. She kind of takes on her full form, you know, as they're watching her. She's covered in um, almost like a tree armor, um, big, beautiful hair, um, she's talking about how, you know, she's lost her power, and, you know, she's trying to get things back to the way they were. Um Yeah, and kind of what her plan is. Then are people turning into
1: Nightmare fuel.
2: Gross, gross little...
1: Super gross nightmare fuel. <laughs> gross Just, little... They're kind of talking, and, like, throughout the transformation, the dudes of talking. And oh, yeah. Everything that she's telling them they can see is, like, how she looked before. Right. So that flashback dealing with Ivy and Harley... There was a series before this one that happened called um, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, surprisingly enough, and during that is when she split the two different beings, and one of them was very, very, very powerful, and hell-bent on destruction, and the other one was not. And in order to keep them alive, they had to fuse them back together, the this whole thing. But the way she looked when she was at her full height of power is the way she looks to them in their drunken haze of dying.
2: Right, they're like connected with the Earth, at least that's right. what I got from it.
1: Yeah, for those few moments that they're still, at least from what little bit we see that they see. Right. For that couple of, like, panels or whatever. So however long that is in time, I mean, I don't know, a minute, whatever.
2: So our dudes are dead, and she jumps in her van. She's like, ugh, she's just kind of annoyed. Um, And she has this really good line. "Um, It's not that I dislike human beings as individuals. They're fine. What I hate is what keeps me awake and grinding my teeth as civilization. Collective, collectively, we are an invasive species, sucking up every resource on the planet until all that's left is a ball of a superheated concrete. The only way to save this beautiful blue marble is to get rid of all of us, every one of us, including me, because this is the uh, because there is only one person who deserves all of this beauty, and that is you. And there's no way back from extinction, right? So we see our dead person while this. Thing is happening, and it looks like it's coming to life. Our boys who were propositioning her earlier that turned into right. scary, scary uh, spore people.
1: It's got that one hand
2: that starts moving around yep. as her monologue finishes. Starts reaching out. And that's it. Next issue is uh, I Bite to Eat. That's it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mr. Brown, what did you think about that book?
2: I gave it a three. I liked it. I liked the art. I liked the idea. I liked that it... Um, <clears throat> I like poison ivy. I think Pamela's is a great character. Um, the sports stuff kind of reminds me of what's probably going to show up in um, the Last of Us. It showed up in the game, but probably in the TV show. Uh, it's really, really cool. That's kind to give you kind of a visual idea of what it looks like. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. The writing's good. Art's fantastic.
0: Well,
3: so it's the last of little three. panel. Last little panel. Oh, this one. I don't think the people are dead. That's Look, what it says. Yeah. Oh, did you say that? It's, it's like, like you maybe. weren't here? No, <laughs> I was like I was looking right at you, but but it starts moving like yeah, the, back he to he life. Start,
2: yeah. He starts like the spore people are coming back to life. Uh, that's what you said yeah, because I think that that's what's gonna happen. Her, you know, like her, what was it, Kyle and man, whoever in the I, in the back. I, of the, the way man.
1: some of her melted all gross. I don't. I don't know if all of them can or not, because the two in the back of the van, they're like merged together even. Yeah. It's it's again, nightmare fuel. But as a thing, like that's the only one we've seen move. But for all we know, the boys on the farm are moving and she keeps talking about trying to get to, where she's heading to is to get to a
3: boat. But they're not though. Like if you look at them, they're separate still. There's just tons of mushrooms all over the top of everything. So they're just like, they're encased in things. So I think that the mushrooms are just like, On top of everything, like if you, if you look through it, like there's not, when you say nightmare fuel, like I imagine just like, like a grease stain of like disgusting bloody, and like if you look at it, like they're really just like, they're beings inside, like with tons of mushrooms over the top of them. Growing out of their face holes and mouth holes.
2: Yeah, they're dead,
3: man. Yeah, like, but I, they're not though. Like that's the one that just happened. That like literally just happened. That's mm-hmm. not nightmare fuel. I'm like, you said the ones in the back of the van, but like, there's a head there and a head there. Yeah, like living plant people. So I I think that the mushrooms are just like around them, and I think that like if if the, she's talking about swamp thing, I think there's going to be a time when I think swamp thing comes in like is able to like cure. Uh, that would be cool to an extent. I mean, maybe. We'll,
1: we'll see if he shows up or not. I mean, as far as a thing, like, everything she's laid in, even the animals, like, the the, the cow, the way it was all kind of gross. Yeah, this cow. one
2: growing out of the middle of its head.
1: Yeah. Like, full yeah, on. I, mean, I don't think any of those things are alive. I mean, maybe they are, but as a thing, the guy at the end, the hand definitely moves. It definitely does. But the way all that stuff's growing out of all those people, and when the farmer starts throwing up basically blood and then plants... I, yeah, it's coming from inside.
2: I don't I, think you're living through that.
1: I, I wouldn't think so, but I mean, I guess if you look at it like David Jones' locker from Pirates of the Caribbean and you're a fish person, then made a pieces of fish. I guess it could be like that. I guess we'll see with the second issue, but I, I do think it's going to turn into a weird army of things. Mm-hmm. And as she talks about trying to get to the coastline to get to a, a ship... She's talking about spreading things far and wide as she goes. Yeah, to the next continent. So, like, yeah, that's the whole, that's the whole reason she's traveling cross country in the first place. Um, and she's, mentions things about dying also, so. She's dying. Yeah, that's what I said.
2: Or she's going to kill herself is, is kind of what I got. It
1: could be either or. Yeah. I mean, it makes it sound like it's, it's either something that's infected everything so badly that even she's infected. Which, I mean, if that's the case, the only answer to fix things would be Swamp Thing. Or losing
2: her power is. Causing her to also just deteriorate, a, yeah, a
1: very good possibility too. Uh, Forty five, we got a score for that book.
3: I get, like a two and a half. I mean, eh, I mean, it was okay. Like, I'd I'd like to see it go somewhere else, but that I don't think it's going to. So, I mean, until I can see it after after until I see where it ends up, then we'll go from there. But like, I just don't see it going the direction I want it to see it go, and I. I I know that you you tell me this all the time and it's fine and dandy and I get it like Batman sells books but like the Batverse just like it's just as far as the Batverse goes I'm just Batman out like it I mean even I don't know I'm
2: just kind of like whatever about it like I'm it, it is what it is like we'll see where it goes so you, you're not even just Batman out. The entire Batman verse, you're not in. Well, I just—I
3: mean, Batman's literally at this point. It seems like Batman is literally just carrying the DC universe. Like there's just everybody else is just secondary. Even Superman at this point is secondary. Everything's secondary to Batman. It's been that way for a while. Yeah. yeah. And it's just it gets at a certain point, it's just irritating to me. So I'm just like,
0: hmm.
3: I'm kind of like, and and I've never been a big Poison Ivy fan. I, I'm I'm just like.
0: Right.
1: Well, as far as score, I mean, I give it a three and a half. The art I think is really cool. And like the story of destruction of everything I'm 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 in. I think that's cool. The way she's writing this letter to whoever she's writing the letter to, which it could be Harley. I think it's a journal. Well that's what she's writing for sure, but yeah. she's writing it to a person. Like the way she talks about you're the only one that deserves this, you're the only one to see this. So by the time you read this, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if it's a note she's leaving for Harley, which seems like maybe maybe that's what she's doing. I kind of wonder if it's a journal she's writing to herself. So I don't know exactly who the letters or who the journal or letter is to, but I like how that's how the narrator persists in the book. It's what she's already written to whoever she's leaving it for. So I think that's really cool. That's an interesting, like, circle around. I like that.
3: No, I mean, if you read it, like, if you go back and reread it, she's not writing it to anybody. She's writing it to herself.
2: She mentions, like, the world only belongs to you, so she's speaking to someone. I think she's talking to, like, the Earth, like, planet Earth.
1: So she might be writing the journal okay. to the Earth? Yeah. That's cool, too. That is cool, It's, too, it's a yeah.
3: journal, she's writing to but Mother Earth. She does Earth.
1: say something about reading it. Like, once you read this, you read it's this, read what this, already yeah. That's one of the first entries. Yeah. Can Mother Earth read? I mean, I don't know, maybe. I, know, maybe. I mean, if it dis- dissolves the book, I mean, I don't know. Is the Earth, like, a reading entity? I mean, maybe. Maybe guess it depends on how I feel about it. Ego could read it, but that's a totally different thing. It's not a nurse. No. It's a planet. It is. Yeah. I assume Ola could probably read it, too. So, I mean, can maybe. Swamp Thing read? I, yeah, he can. Oh, He's a something. doctor, dude. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah totally. Could can write prescriptions and everything, probably. <laughs> Holding the pen right?
3: Uh, mm. We might
1: work on that. You need a big pen. Yeah, for big sure. Big Sharpie. Heck, yeah.
2: I liked it. And, again, I think you're right. The, the art, as far as, like, the spores coming out of the Nightmare Fuel, quote-unquote, it, it is really, really cool.
1: Dang it. I like the covers, too. Have, there's several different covers, of course, but the main cover was really pretty sharp. I like it a lot. It's cool. Interesting to see where the rest of it goes. I mean, it's only six-part, from what I remember, so it's not super long. So I guess we'll yeah ride the wave and see what it does. See, so after that, we'll move on to some... uh Metal Society from the old Image Comics. Forty-five, you want to tell us about some uh,
3: people and robots? All right, Metal Society number one, written by Zach Kaplan, and art is by Gilherm Balby. You'd have never gotten that.
1: I don't know, maybe over time. (laughs) (laughs) I would have warmed up for it.
3: Okay, it's probably actually wrong, but... So, this book takes place in um, Robot City... The year 2420, and, um, it's an announcer saying that, uh, basically, uh, talking about the big robot versus human who will reign supreme in a fighting match of some sort. I would assume. Actually, later on, you get into it. It's an MMA fight. So, because there's submission. Basically, yeah. Well, not basically. It's like it's up to submission or knockout. So, like it goes to, it's like a boxing match. There's no submission. There's a woman named Rosa and they're asking if she's ready and she's wrapped they're wrapping her hands and uh they're like, Are you ready? or it's you, you know, you fight to survive and then she's doing some mantra and she's like, Our spirit is strong you know, or you know and she just keeps repeating it over and over again, and then some robot comes up and it's, it's time to fight. It's like uh then it shows like the uh competitor that which that is a robot and um its name is Wolf four two one three one three and it's calibrating systems running diagnostics and another robot comes up and says, uh quit running diagnostics, you're reducing your memory, and this is your only purpose, and it's like this is my purpose, and it's like it's fight time. And so it comes into like a gigantic arena and talking about how um Rosa is genetically enhanced and it's she's going to be fighting this robot. For basically, what they would say, like equal human rights, and uh it, it's going through the whole thing about how Homo sapiens have only been back on Earth for only about a decade, and how agile and how tough she is. It, it, it's an just going through the whole history, like you know, like a normal intro would, be, like, given color commentary. The robots walk, you know, the robot walks out and she walks out, and they're in the ring, and it's the the rules and like the uh, from the robot fight commission and like you you know there's there's no hitting of different parts of the robot and there's no hitting of different parts of the human but it was the head yeah spine hit head spine and
2: crotch basically yeah and then for the robot it was like power supply and something else yeah major circuit boards i want to say something like that yeah yeah i was looking for it um
3: Oh, no striking the human head, spine or eyes, and no attacking the robot power source or central CPU. And then it also said the all robotic fighting styles are allowed, and the bout will go infinite amounts of rounds. For only a knockout or a submission, tap out will end the fight and produce our champion. And this is trying to di- also di- help die down um, the violence in the streets and drama that's going on between humans and robots. It's a whole sort of commentary pieces is what it is what's happening. So then it then it flashes back to um her being born and it gets pumped out of a gigantic test tube and she comes out and it's like birth complete. Hello, Rosa, human generation three. So she's the third generation of um these these humans that are being born from robots. And uh and it says three years prior, it's like welcome to your life. When you were ready, please proceed to your life orientation. And it says, now together, repeat after me, A, B, C. And it's like going through the different schools because, like, robots are teaching them to do their different parts. And um, she meets a guy named Simon, and he's like, hey, I'm Simon, what's your name? And she's like, I'm Rosa. I was like, Rosa, want to see something wonderful after school? And he takes her up on top and shows, like, the city of, like, the robot city and what it looks like. And it's like, I, um, I read it's like our old cities. And, and she was like, we used to live like that? I was like, yeah, a long time ago. It's pretty wonderful, right? And she's like, it's so alive because they're living in these like weird, horrible, disgusting camps, like basically like, um, dark ages. Um, and she's like, what, well, maybe one day we'll, we'll get to live there. And he's like, if, if, if you go, I'll go with you. And they hold hands and it's them working and it's called harvest all metal, demolish all trash. And like the robots are telling them to like do this mantra, which is we fight to survive. Our spirit is strong and, uh, or uh, well, maybe they're just saying that
1: like, they say it themselves as their own Montrose people, right? But the I, thing, see,
3: I, yeah, I see that now.
1: The other step is that they're full grown bodies; they're not kids. It's only been three years that this is three years back in time, right?
3: Right? Yeah, they're they're I mean, genetic, they're, gene- yeah. they're gene- like they're
1: genetically grown. They're not like babies, yeah. and when they're in school, they're these full grown like entities. Right? It's
3: yeah, it's wild. Um and then her friend Simon falls and, and he's like ah, i'm i'm okay and she's like someone help him and the robot's like ah he'll get up and or you know or, or he's going um and he'll he'll resume his his function and she's like he needs help though and she's like and the robot says um he'll get he'll get a break at his designated time he must adapt to manage his output and he must manage your efficiency and she's like, at least g- give him some water you guys wash yourselves down all the time and uh it's like water rations are based on output. And she's like, Then let us build and we'll have more output. And somebody's like, Stop Rosa, you gotta stop. And uh the robot says, You cannot build more because you're human. And then it goes to um she goes to a gym, it's called Challenger's Gym, and in the gym people are just like working out, doing their thing, which I, I would just, I would assume some sort of different tier of humans, like just the you know, it's a little bit higher up. And they're like, uh, uh, you're not supposed to be here. And she's like, I was just looking for, like, uh, what, what do they do with their hands? And they're like, fight trainings for settlement security officers. And so, and she's like, can I try? And like, are you a field worker? And, uh, or, no, you're a field worker and you have dinner soon. And she's like, five minutes, please. And she's like, last one there and gives, gives her a chance to fight this little, like, dummy thing. And she just like, with all of her hate and anger, starts like crushing this thing. And then it, she sees her her friend again, and like she escaped, she looks at him like you know very much in love, and she puts on a hoodie and goes into the city. Um, spoiler style looks like spoiler pretty much.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: She steals his football helmet, I think. Yeah,
3: she finds it just like when she's crawling through stuff, and she's in the city, and she's walking along with the hood all over, and like no none of the robots are noticing, which is really weird. And she goes into like the main center. And sneaks under and, and, uh, and I was like, what was that? A human? Where did, go? and like, they're all looking for it. And she, and she writes, robots are trash on this gigantic, like, robot statue thing. And, like, the robots are talking to, like, the main c- councilwoman of the humans and say, like, believe me, our council does not approve this action. We'll co- cooperate fully with our protocols and we'll investigate this matter at once. And, uh, some guy is like, I just hope we find the culprits. We are so deeply sorry," and like the robot, as the as the the councilwoman and like the bearded man looks like another leader of some sort. Like they're talking, they're talking about they have to track him down and leniency and like what they're going to do to this person. They kind of know who it is,
1: right? Well, they're just putting on a good show for the robots. And even though they are not happy with what she did, they can sympathize with her at least the man can. But yeah, it's it, the whole. Diversity of it is just like the way it's a parallel for our world with certain things. Yeah,
3: for sure. And, uh, but she, but the, but the woman's like, what resource is this, Abe? And she's like, she was fighting for humanity and she was, she's like, what do you mean she? It's like, well, how will this rebellious spirit advance humanity? He's like, perhaps this spirit can be harnessed. And like, who's going to harness it, Abe? And then it goes back and the, the bearded man, Abe, walks into the gym and sees, sees, um, Rosa fighting. And starts asking about her, because he figures out who it is. And he's uh, like, hey, uh, Abe, sir, uh, they told me you were looking for her. She's all yours. She comes she comes every night, hours at a time. And he's like, you got a strong hook, nice stance, nice form. Try, try keeping your head centered. And she's like, can I help you? He's like, you know who I am, Rosa. He's like, no. He's like, my name's Abe. I'm one of the six, the first humans they made. And he's like, I'm also on the settlements council and I'm the liaison between humans and robots. I can handle conflicts. And what do you think? What do you think about the robots? And she's like, don't think about it. He's like, most humans like robots. Robots made us. Robots care for us. And she's like, why? Why don't you think about it? She's like, well, I don't care about them. Doesn't feel right. We should be able to do everything they do. And he's like, do you think hitting them in the face will help? you snuck out last night and you still have the pain on your hands and he catches her because he figured out before that. And he's like, and she's like, are you going to turn me in? He's like, do you, want, do you want, do you want to see the future? Brings her to place. And he's like, children, where do they from us humans, the old fashioned way, these are nurseries, like the one, all of the settlement. And she's like, do the robots know about them? And funny thing is they don't think much of it. A thousand of us or a million of us, we're no threat to them. You were, you worried about the robots? And she's like, no, I've just never seen children before. I'm like, well, go on then. And then she picks up a little girl and she's like, she's so small. And, uh, he's like, go, go out, keep hole nerds, good for her. And he's like, it's beautiful, huh? Like, these children are not like you and I. We're a lab experiment. First just six of us, then a hundred, and then, the, then the thousands of, of, of our generation, generation three, and now more and more come in every day. They began making us for their vanity, marveling at their own brilliance, but the truth is they didn't know what to do with us, so they gave us the jobs they didn't want to do, and they made some stronger like you, strong enough to bend or break metal, but also strong enough to build a future, a future for that little girl. And Rosa says, well, they'll they'll never let us. And he's like, that's the fight. Stand toe-to-toe with them. Refuse to go down. I'm forming a group to advocate for human rights and advancement, and I want you to join me. But only if you promise me something. You'll never let the chaos win. You'll take all that anger. You channel it for something. You fight for all of us. You'll fight for all of humanity. And she's like, I promise. And at this point, the last scene is like her basically touching gloves with the, the robot she's getting ready to fight. And it says, to be continued. So she's like basically selected to fight a robot in the ring to kind of settle things, which is interesting. Like, it's pretty cool. It's kind of... Uh, I don't know, it's kind of like how, I guess how robots, like at the beginning, like we kind of let robots do whatever until they became it was kind of like flopping. Um, I don't know. It was interesting. I, I enjoyed it. I liked the art. I thought it was a cool book. Um, I've always liked Top Cow. Our style a little bit reminded me of, well, just a little bit because, uh, Frank Cho is like so, so good, but like Fight Girls a little bit.
1: Oh, styling-wise, for sure. Yeah, the way their the costume and stuff is, it could fit in that world
3: pretty good. Well, just like the style, stylistically, like, it's the way that the people are drawn to. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I don't know, I think it's a cool idea. Interesting concept. Like, there's very, every once in a while, like, I'm kind of surprised about a, an interesting concept in comics. And, cause, like, so many stories have just been told and told and retold and this and that. And, like, I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool idea. So. yeah. score for that book? Uh
2: I'd give it a I give it a four.
3: Damn, yeah.
1: Mr. Brown, what do you know about the uh, Metal Society?
2: I'm, I'm going to give it a four as well. Um, I really like the idea. Um, there are a lot of similarities for me with this um, and the Animatrix, which I love. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Just those first two episodes that kind of deal with what happens in the Matrix, and you know when the when the robots take over and stuff like that, and people being birthed out of tubes and. Um, and I, I, I'm not a big anime guy, but I I do, I did, I did like the Animatrix. Um, but I, I really enjoyed, just like you said, Josh, the concept of this is super cool. And, um, it probably would have been a little higher for me had I got to see the fight, which obviously, I mean, they, they want you to, you know, come back, get the next issue, but it's, I was ready to see her, you know, take on this, this guy. Um, yeah, they definitely build them up to it for sure. Yeah. Um, I liked what you said, too, and I felt the same way, the kind of flip-flop of, you know, we create robots to do, you know, our bidding and the jobs that we don't want to do. Yeah. And they're kind of doing the same thing to us in this book. Um, the art's great. Um I, I did enjoy the art a lot. Even though it's a little bit more on the simpler side, um, I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, I, I'll give it a four. No problem. I think it's the book of the night for me.
1: Well, score-wise, I give it four also. Like, the art's great. It had a whole slew of covers and the cover that I picked to bring out for you guys to see is one of the ones I like the better of the group. Um, the art's great in the book. The concept of everything being like a reverse version of the way the world is, right? In a modern world is really cool. I, it, it has a it, it's got a little bit of a political stance in there with it, but not something that's overpowering and un, untasteful. So even if it is built to be something that's like, oh, that's oh, how the world is, it's not something that's like, Overpowering and makes the story still fun. So as far as like style of books, I mean, it's was, it was pretty good. I give it a four as well. Like I, like I said, the writing's really cool. I like how we go back and forth in time to set up the world after we already know what we're getting ready to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like how it's paced. But yeah, issue two that guy actually comes out this next week. Sweet. So, uh, Movement in the World, it's, it's, it's really good. If you get a chance to check it out, you really should because it's fantastic. But yeah, I give it a four as well. Alright, so from there we we'll move on to the uh Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor. This uh, is issue one, uh, from Marvel Comics. Uh this guy's written by uh Torin Grombeck and the artist in it is uh Michael Dowling. Um as far as series is this guy's a mini series also, so uh everything else that's going on in in the world of books, this guy doesn't necessarily connect to the main Thor story, but anyhow. And so we open up and we basically are staring into the abyss, this giant chasm of nothing on the edge of it's a rock-faced mountain. And we have two figures on there that are in a conversation. And most of what's happening in the books being told, um, there's a narrator going along. We find out as we go, the narrator is basically the, this hooded figure with a half, like, half bottom, uh, like masks. The top half's covered and the bottom half's open to talk. Very, uh, I know it's not like a, eyes wide shut kind of mask, but kind of. Uh, This figure is dressed in a a red hood and cloak, and uh, the first person she's talking to is uh, a dark elf. And we find out the dark elf is Algrim the Strong, and uh, we find out this hooded figure has offered Algrim a way out of his imprisonment. So he's been imprisoned because he was defeated and thrown out, and even though he made a deal with Asgard, when it came down to the end of it, they didn't support him, and that's what got him banished and trapped where he is. And, uh, this hooded figure has promised him a way out, so he can get his revenge on the Golden Realm. And he says, even if you can capture the God of Thunder, even if you could rise against them all, the all Seeing Witch is, if you could get past her, I'm still imprisoned. So he he's referencing the all Seeing Witch being Sif. she's currently the, uh, Eyes of the Bifrost, what, uh, Humdel normally is. And, uh, he's talking about Thor being the God of Thunder. And, uh, she knows he's going to take the deal before she offers it to him. She just has to convince him. And she convinces him to sign with him and whatever the uh, oath he's supposed to take, to take the oath and they will free him. And she basically tells him that, that that's the only way he's going to get to create his battle. And she tells him that his followers are still loyal to him, so if he joins their battle, that they will join him. And she'll free him. She's He just has to agree to do what they want him to do. And so he, he accepts, and she knew he would, uh, because he needs her a lot more than she needs him. From there, we cut directly to uh, Ulk, who's the uh, another classic Thor villain who's also been on the sidelines for quite a while. And it starts out with he needed no convincing; uh, he would do anything to be free from his prison underneath the uh, All Tree or the, underneath the World Tree. And uh, it just has him say, "Yeah, aye, my club is yours." And she says she she likes him and she hopes he she she hopes he will survive. And, uh, then we go from there to, uh, Hela. And Hela, of course, denies any join, joining any group. She says if she wants to create hell or create war on Asgard, that she'll do it herself on her own terms. And she doesn't need anybody's help to do anything, and she tells him to be gone. And, uh, she says, well, no matter. Her memory will fade to this, uh, in just moments. Her memory will dwindle. And then from there we go and we join another character who I don't have a whole lot of experience with. Uh, Tyron Odin's son. He's the, uh, exiled, um, Odin's son.
2: Is it Tyran or Tyr?
1: Uh, Tyr? Ty- Tyr? Tyr? Tyr, yeah. Tyr Odin son. Yeah, Tyr. And he's like, what about Loki? Loki's left me trapped here in prison. And she explains to him that, yeah, she, you don't have to worry about the mischief maker. I'm going to get you out. But in return, you have to agree to work with us. I, you, you remember your oath. And, uh, she, uh, she basically convinces him to go to, and he didn't take a lot of convincing. Uh, but he's known as the traitor. Uh, from there, we jump to New York, one week later. And, uh, we are on top of a building with, uh, Jane Foster Valkyrie and Solomon, and the two of them are watching this park. And we have, uh, um, multiple voices going on here because they're talking to somebody on a radio, and we find out that Steve Rogers and Captain America and, uh, Tony Stark Iron Man, and they are there helping try to decide where the danger is in this park. And something that happened during the Jane Foster Valkyrie storyline is that Jane's, as Valkyrie, has the ability to see and perceive your imminent future of death. And that's just something she's able to do as one of her powers. And so as they're... They explain it a little... uh, Are you going to go into
2: that or no? Well,
1: yeah, as I get to it. Okay, I'm sorry. It's something they kind of go over as we go into the story. Okay. And... She's become aware of the imminent threat to this park that's full of all these people, but she doesn't know where the threat's coming from. And so while it's going on, we get a breakdown of, like, her inner monologue, which is this other batch of, uh, voiceover, I guess. Uh, and we find out this is Roz Solomon that she's with, and Roz is a, she's a fairly new character. She's an agent of Uganda, so she's one of the group from the Black Panthers group of basically Avengers. Um, she's only, she hasn't been in a whole lot of books, so she's not like, she's new, but she's not like, new, new. Anyhow, um, she talks about how one of her abilities is to strategize everything, and she can tell you how many people are in the park, which ones might have guns, and we get this whole breakdown of Valkyrie going over what Solomon's abilities are, and basically her way to perceive and spot danger. So we go through that a little bit, and uh, the two of them are still trying to figure out where the problem is, and like, Valkyrie knows it's coming, she just so she starts trying to pay attention to the different people. And this is where they start going over what her powers really are. Um she she winds up telling Solomon not to worry that she's going to find the person, and as she's looking at these different people, we get these reveals what their lives were. So, like, there's an old lady, and she's got a giant, like, floating orb with a death face in it, and there's a whole bunch of other, like, skull orbs around a bunch of people. This particular one, this old woman who's there, Wild Wall, Jane, or Valkyrie, reviews her. She lives through her life and sees, like, how she started as a, as a child and how her parents died, and how she lived through a bunch of crazy things and then love in her life and how she decided that after she wound up losing, I think it was a, there's an organ she loses, but I can't remember what it is.
2: Uh, a lung. A lung, yes. And her heart is growing to compensate. Or, right. You know, because it, it, it's a vacant space.
1: And since so she was told that as her heart grows, it eventually it expand so much that it kills her. And she, she decided from that moment that she would live to be happy. And so she has all these happy moments. And that's what she made her life be. And so, it, while Jane's doing all that, it's like, it's really cool, like, I don't know, it's a really cool idea of how a power should work to be able to read through the likes
2: of people. Well, because what's her name? is Who's the other one with her? Solomon. Solomon's asking. So you just see how they die, and she's like, no, it's more than that. And the way it explains it is actually pretty cool. I, I think it's smart. It's well-written. Um, and it's not just seeing someone's death. It's their life and their their feelings, you know, how how everything Unfolds and why it unfolds and yeah, it, it, it is it is a cool just like you said a very cool explanation of how a power works how right. her power works yeah.
1: and like during one of the she's still like reviewing the woman it says uh, during her funeral a week from now the priest will make a joke that she died because of her how heart how big her heart was and everyone that knows will nod and smile and sadly as as they as as they as they know it was true it's her heart growing too big and killing her. So like the, the joke between A and B, cause she can even slightly see the future. And it's not like a whole written future of everything. It's the future of this one particular woman and how far her life essence goes. So like it's, it's really pretty cool. And like we see her doing that for a bunch of the people in the park. And we don't get necessarily like a individual story for every person. But as things grow around her, she starts seeing everyone get these crazy skull things because the attack is coming. And you we can see one above Solomon's head and it's a huge one. So like
2: eventually so the, hold on. So the reason I just have a question. The mm-hmm. reason she can see that woman's is because she's going to die soon. She, it says like think within a few minutes, right?
1: That's that's the reason why okay. it's as big as it is.
2: So the rest of those green or the rest of those purple thing skulls that show up is because there's imminent danger and they could die soon. That's why they get
1: big. Because when it. you first see the first batch of it, the They're little all of them. She has a huge one. And all the people around her have tiny ones. Gotcha. So, like, as it goes, the more imminent your death is, the bigger the skull is. But yeah, the growth in them, and why all the park's peoples grow huge, too, is because the threat is so imminent. That makes sense. Because, like like I was saying, the first ones, when we see everyone else around her, they're tiny, and Mm -hmm. then they all expand to giant, basically the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, Valkyrie flies up, and she says, there... And she stares straight at one person who doesn't have a bomb but, but, and a death mark above their head. And she's like, the man in the suit with the briefcase. And, uh, Solomon says, oh, Cap, Solomon, we have a target. And they all rush him. And the guy doesn't necessarily have any idea what's going on. Because Solomon pulls a gun on him. She's like, don't move a muscle. And, uh, the guy's like, uh, there must be some type of mistake. I haven't. And Cap's like, everybody clear the area. And she's like, Stark, set up a blast he has, keep these. Pe- he's not human. And, uh, we get a little more monologue, and as they're trying to basically subdue him, all of a sudden the dude splits open all crazy. Like, I don't know, think like uh, for the visual, whenever D- Batista in Guardians of the Galaxy changes in the boxes in Guardians 2, or Guardians 1, That's and it- Thanos manipulates the world.
2: That's in Infinity War.
1: There's an in Infinity War yeah. that happens? Yeah. Whenever they go to kill him? Yeah, it is yeah. Infinity War. Yeah, it's like, a- so that movie. So, whenever he splits apart into boxes, or in, I mean, that's happened in a couple movies now, actually. But he all opens up and inside of him, there's this crazy floating orb with a crazy glowing light. And uh, Solomon pulls out this, this like I don't know, kind of a vapory lightning gun. And she starts shooting it, and she subdues it and takes it offline. And. Uh, all this time we have some other monologue going on, it's not necessarily explaining exactly what's happening, but kind of covers pieces of what's going on. And so Captain and and are both stand there, and he's like, uh, did you reactivate it? She's like, yeah, it's in pieces, I, but I'm not sure, I think it's off. And then Valkyrie looks around, she's like, uh, the danger is over, I'm sure. And, uh, then we see in the herd of these people, the old woman has died. She's on the ground, and, uh, there's another version of her glowing yellow, and she's like, you're a Valkyrie. And, uh, she's like, well, yeah, I'm, that's, that's what, I'm, I'm here for you to take you on one last journey. And the old woman starts talking about how she's amazing. She's like, I used to be a girl and I used to always dream about the Valkyries. Me and my brothers would play in the woods and we'd run around with our weapons and she says, well yeah, the weapons for you were they were Asgardian steel and your your swords were the finest Asgardian steel. So she like compares them being children playing. It's what their imaginations were. And it's written really cool. I did a terrible job just now trying to explain that. Because it's written... Just so cool. She's like, My brothers and I would run wild in the forest to fight battles against frost giants and trolls, pray to Odin, make sacrifices of Freya, and ask to be blessed to them to bless our weapons. Bless our weapons. I mean, they were just sticks, but... And then we turn to Valkyrie, and this is where she says it. So I, I'm just reading it to you, because it's, it's... It's awesome. So we turn, we turn to Valkyrie, and as uh, her steed flies down, she says, In your hands they were swords of the finest Asgardian steel. And at night, your prayers were such that the warriors, the the words were wonderful words to hear. And then she says, "Are you ready for one last journey?" And uh, she stretches her hand to the woman because she basically ferries her to the other side. And uh, from there, we cut to Ohio because that's what you do. <laughs> and we're outside a bakery, and the name of the bakery is Bake My Day, which is hilarious. Um, and inside, we have, uh, two women that are on a date, or they say it's not a date. Um, this is Runa, so, uh, Valkyrie, um, the other Valkyrie, which I'm, it's our U with a crazy mark on top of it, and then NA. So Runa and Michelle. Michelle, best I can tell, I, I don't know if we've ever seen her before, just a regular chick. Uh, but they're doing a game with, uh, is the like, ten questions. And, uh, as she's asking questions from each other, she's like, well, Michelle initially gets weird about it. She says, well, this is your idea. Don't you remember the 10-question game on the first date? She's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, sure. Some people, it's just that as I ask questions, a lot of people feel like they're unique. And as I grew up, I thought I was unique, but it turns out that everybody's an outcast and everyone has problems. And when it comes to uniqueness, you're only unique in the fact that everyone has the same problems. It's written more wordy than that. Um, and anyway, so on their date, uh, the, the waitress comes around, brings him coffee, and Comes around the last time she asked him, "Do they want decaf?" Because it's getting later, and both the girls are like, "Oh yeah, sure, bring us some more, you know, bring some more coffee, maybe a piece of pie." They go on with their date, and then uh, the waitress comes over to get the pie from the uh, a cook behind the kitchen. And she's like, "Oh, young love," and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's what it looks like." And while it's going on, we see a TV in the background, and the TV is recapping events from the park and how uh, the Avengers were there to deal with an incident, and there was one di- one fatality, but it had nothing to do with the emergency. It had nothing to do with the emergency on hand. So it's basically just getting a report of the Avengers being in the park and of one woman dying. So it's the stuff we just lived through, just now on TV, being broadcast at the diner. Um, from there, we cut to Valkyrie, Jane Foster Valkyrie's home, and she's got her horse inside, and she's come home with a bunch of, with a bunch of groceries, and the horse is like, Hi, Valkyrie, but did you get those carrots? And she's like, Oh, I totally forgot. He's like, you don't know, according to the bylaws, the, the, the unit law 434. She's like, yeah, I know, section 32, I, I know. I, he goes, like, I have working standards. Cause he's upset she didn't bring on carrots. And it's apparently into the bylaws he's supposed to. Um, from there we cut to a scene of Sif. And Sif is like, using her powers, just watching everything, cause that's what she does now. And, uh, she's like, huh. The, think at the gates. The ma- get the Master of War. There's something wrong. And from there, we see a shot back at Valkyrie's home, and something's flying towards the window. Eventually, we get a close-up, and we see that it's Laura's hammer. And it smashes through the window into her living room. We get some voiceover from Jane Foster, and it's, it says, Metal Through the Air. And we see Jane. She says, Do you hear that? And the is like, This sounds so familiar. Everything else is wrong, but Jane recognizes the cry for help before she hears it, and then she waits, expecting the hammer to be recalled, expecting Thor to call back his hammer, but that doesn't happen. No matter how long she hopes, the hammer continues to sit there. And we see that the hammer itself, as it smashes through the window, it has blood all over it, and it, as a thing, it crashes like it was thrown. And uh, she looks at the hammer, goes to grab it, and she says, Sif, knowing that as she yells it, It doesn't make a difference because even if she whispered it, Sif would hear it. Uh, from there we travel back to the, back to Asgard where we find the, uh, Sif just waiting on the rainbow bridge outside of Asgard and she's staring and as this is going on we get uh, some more Jane Foster like basically voiceover. She's like, she tells Sif she demands an answer. She wants to know where Thor is. Sif is upset because the one thing she can't see is where Thor is and she can't understand how she didn't notice him go missing. And uh, from there, she's joined by A Bill. And Betarae Bill walks up, and uh, we get this cool, like, shot of her eyes seeing a reflection of what she's watching. And it's basically a bunch of charging, like, armor-clad people. And she says, uh, but the one thing she can't hear is her king. He is lost. And instead, what she sees fills her with fear. Asgard needs to prepare for an attack. And about that time, when Betarae Bill's behind her, she says, Master of War alert the arms, sound the horns, war is coming, better a bill, and the king is gone. And uh, from there, she summons Jane Foster with the uh, with the uh, Bifrost, and Jane shows up, she's like, what's happening? What happened to Thor? She's like, I don't know, but at this point, he's gone, and gone from my sight, lost to the realms, and the energies, the enemies are mobilized, and they are here. And so Jane Foster's like, well, he's not dead, because I can, I can be sure he's not dead. And, uh, Valkyrie confirms that because if he was dead, the world would feel different. And, uh, from there, she returns back to the, uh, apartment. And she's looking at the hammer and she's like, oh man, Asgard is coming to war. And the horse says, yeah, I, Valkyrie. And then we cut back to, uh, Asgard as it gets prepared for war. Battery Bill standing with Sif, the two of them making arrangements for the, uh, armies. And we see flying ships in space coming to mess up Asgard. And uh Valkyrie tells uh the horse that they need to get our other Valkyrie. And we cut back to the restaurant with the two girls on the date, and she's like, Well I know that you're always busy and she's like, Well, I it's I, I have a really important job and it's it's a hard job and takes a lot of my time. And uh as our conversation goes on, eventually the horse lands and he walks up to the window and he's got wings. He's not just a regular horse, he's like a Pegasus. And uh it's, it's so funny to me. She's like, uh, the, the Michelle looks and she goes, is that a horse? And the horse looks at her and goes, that's Mr. Horse to that lass. And, uh, Valkyrie's like, oh, damn it. I'm sorry, Michelle, I have to go. So the horse full and like called her out. It's funny. Um, anyway, we cut back to Asgard and we see, uh, a, a batch of our dark elves on their ships getting ready to land and fight and go to war. And, uh, in the process of that, Bettery Bill tells the, the garrisons to start firing and, the Dark Elves fire, and we see that what they're shooting are basically black holes that uh, start destroying the city. And uh it's uh it's a pretty crazy mess. And Betteryville is trying to get people to safety, and the whole time Sif's like watching, waiting for Jane Foster. And Jane's like, I don't want to take the hammer because I don't want to be that again. But I have to. I just didn't want to have to ever do it like this. And you see her grab the hammer, and she turns back into Thor. And uh, as that's going on, she basically puts Thor to rest. Rather than letting herself become the entity Thor again, she puts it at bay and takes the hammer with her, which is something I don't think we've ever seen anybody do, ever. It's pretty crazy. I mean, we've seen Captain America use it, him not transform, and stay himself. But i say Cap's a different bag of nuts. So what happens here is really pretty cool, but it's crazy. Um, anyway, she basically tells herself that she's going to stay as Jane Foster and as, as Valkyrie as long as she can... And she says, is that okay with you? And the hammer starts talking to her, and she finds that the voice inside the hammer is actually Odin, who has passed away, and now his spirit and essence lives in the freaking hammer, which is a crazy thing, too. So she basically has a conversation with the hammer, which is Odin. And uh by the end of the conversation, she's getting ready to go rejoin the battle. And uh from there, we cut to a crazy garden outside of a really beautiful actually little waterfalls, a nice little lake... And, uh, we have our hooded, our red hooded characters show up and we see that they're there to meet the Enchantress. It's
3: the same hooded figure from the beginning.
1: Oh, yeah. It's the same one throughout the book. All these appearances have been that same person. Um, and, uh, she's there to see the Enchantress because she's, wants to know if the Enchantress has finished her mission. And, uh, the Enchantress says, yeah, I freed all your warriors. But, well, I freed more, f- freed your warriors, not all of them as of yet. And she says, tell me, do you have him? And she says, yes. And she says, how does it feel? It feels good. And there's a batch of voiceover that is uh, kind of explaining what is going through the Enchantress's head. And she's been promised something. And the only reason she'd work for them is because what she's promised. And even though the only reason that she believes this has worked so far is because all the others believe they can overthrow this person. They can beat them. And she knows they can't. And, uh, when we get to the end of, uh, there's a little more battle that we wind up seeing from Asgard with the black holes. Uh, but we wind up coming back at the very end to the Enchantress and she's like, well, you know what you promised me and that's what I want my reward. I will have Thor. And we wind up seeing Thor on some crazy planet with his armor all stripped off, basically running from a giant snake.
2: And it it looks, is a really big snake. It is.
1: It's crazy. It's, it's giant. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's super crazy. And uh, that's where the book wraps the beginning to be continued. And uh, as far as, like, a thing, like, the Enchantress's goal has always been to have Thor as her own. And that's... Uh, so I like that part is definitely, like, true to the rest of the story. A few of these other characters I don't have a lot of experience with when it comes to the Dark Elf. Other than Malkith, I don't really know a whole bunch of them. So, like, learning about him a little bit is interesting. Um, as far as the book in general, I mean, I give it a three and a half. Like, I, it is really wordy. There's a lot of, like dialogue and a lot of voice boxes, so for the read, you get a lot out of that. Some of it is a little much, but I don't dislike the way it's put together, and I feel like it moves pretty okay. Um, I think the stuff with the horse is hilarious. Uh, I like the, the way that Jane shows that she can will the hammer different than other people can. I think that's cool. And like her making the choice to save Valkyrie rather than just transform back into Thor. The difference being that when she's Thor, just like how Thor is a person and Donald Blake was a person, they just shared the same body for the longest time, the entity itself is... When she's when she's Thor, she's not Jane Foster. She's Thor. And when she's Valkyrie, she's a mixture of the two. When she's
3: a Valkyrie.
1: Right. Well, she's she's the original Valkyrie, the Swiss Miss, uh, from Hilda. Brumhilda Hilda died, I don't know, several years ago. Well, maybe like two years ago. And after she died, her essence passed on to Jane Foster. That's how Jane Foster's Valkyrie at all, so it, she would be the primary one from what the comics used to be. But yeah, there's a slew of other Valkyries. There's a whole batch of them. She rebuilt the Valkyries at one point.
3: I so there was nine
1: original, right? But Brumhilda, she was our main one that we saw in all the comics. So
2: she's Valkyrie and Thor.
1: At this point, she can choose between the two <laughs> because when she elects to the hammer, not the changer, she stays as Valkyrie. So it's like she has an option, which is. Also super weird. But I mean it's kind of cool, and I I have some experience with Broomhelda. not a lot. Um and Jane Foster, she had a mini series before this one, which goes over part of that stuff too. I don't know if it fleshes it out all the way the way this one does, because I didn't read the whole thing. I only read part of that series, so I'm not really sure how far it goes. Um but it was maybe like maybe a year ago, I guess, that it happened. Anyway, as far as the score, like did I say
3: three and a half?
2: You said four and a half.
1: No. No, no, no. Three and a half. If I said anything, it's a three and a half.
3: Pretty sure it was four and a half.
1: No. If I said four, that was incorrect. Okay. I mean three and a half. Of the other group of books, Like I like this I one lot. Even
3: said five and
1: a lot. I not <laughs> That's not true at all. I said three and a half. You can go back and listen to it later. I said three and a half. Okay. So that's what I give it. I like the cover. I like the concept. Is it only happening because we get a movie happening? Probably. So there's that. But... It's interesting. I mean, if you want to learn a lot about Jane Foster, it doesn't do that because this is not where it is in the storyline. is so far past that stuff. And because it's not proper Jane Foster-Thor, it's not really that either. I think by the second issue, we'll probably get her a store a little more. Otherwise, the titling's weird. But I liked it. So, I mean, that's where I'm at with it. I guess, uh, what do you guys know about, uh, about the, uh, Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor- Mr. Brown, what do you know about it?
2: I'm going to give this book a two. Sure. It is so wordy, and I had a hard time following it because of just like you said. You, I, I you said you liked the way it's put together, and I was like, uh, I, I, I didn't. Kind of had a hard time. What was going on? I didn't know who was whom. I didn't get the Odin thing at the end. I, I didn't. I, 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 yeah, it's it does very, help
1: that I know th- that Odin has died. Yeah. They they mention his essence being in the hammer, but yeah. if you don't know he died at all, and that piece would be a little
2: rougher. If Beta Ray Bill was not in this book, and they didn't do the whole explaining of her power, I would have given this book like a like a, like a, a half a star. Um, but because of those two things, and and that scene is re- that 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 panel is really cool. Um, like we talked about her uh, explaining the power that she has. I don't have I don't have a real good grasp on Valkyrie, but I don't know if I really like them being Jane being able to do both. I, I think that's kinda redundant, but yeah. what I say? Two? Yes. Two.
1: It's a different power set.
2: I mean I get it. I
1: just and like her personality changes too.
2: I get it, but if you Thor,
1: do you need to be Valkyrie? Yeah, I mean that that is kinda weird. That's all
2: or vice versa. I mean Valkyrie's pretty powerful too. I mean yeah. I I I was not a fan of guess it's to two for me. Okay. 45.
3: Um... So I feel like this is the beginning of a long conversation of... That possibly will happen off-air. But we kind of have to start deciding, like, how you rate a comic book on this podcast. Because, like, literally, if I read a book and I don't know what the heck's going on at all... And they're not giving any explanation or backstory... And I'm confused because I don't know what the heck's going on. Like, especially as a number one. If, I understand if this was like a number seven in a, in, a, in a series. I understand that. I get it. I would be like, okay, if it's a number seven. I don't know what's going on. That's fine. But this is a number one. And I'm like, huh? uh, Like, there's so much that's going on that I just literally don't know what's going on. That's what frustrates me with a number one. I feel like a number one, if somebody just walked in the store and picked it up, like, the, the point of a number one is to be like, get new readers. That's my, that's my opinion. I mean, I don't know if you agree or disagree. You guys, I don't know.
2: I'm with you. I think that again, you know, it, 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 being a number one, it, it has a lot of backstory that I didn't get. I didn't know Odin was Still. dead. I don't know much about Valkyrie. Uh, we see Thor for one panel and, it's a cool panel, but I don't know where he's at. And then
3: I, you see, and then you see Jane Foster's really rad Thor costume on the cover. And then you see it for a second inside, and then it changes to a different thing. Yeah,
2: and I did, that, that was another problem I had is one minute she's Valkyrie, and the next minute she's standing there and she's in street clothes. And I was like, well, I didn't, I, I, I didn't, I didn't get that. But anyways, I'm with you. That makes sense. I, I get it. I mean, if it's a number one, I mean, it probably should have a little bit more, um,
1: well, that one does have two paragraphs to sort of explain things on the first page. It, it does. Marvel does it, and DC doesn't do it. I was confused book had it, and it's this book that has it. But as far as things, I mean, yeah, you're right, there's been a lot of stuff going on, so when you come to a number one that's just out of nowhere, I can see what you're saying, but it, when their characters have been around forever, it's, uh I mean, not even forever, because, I mean, Jane's not that old as a thing, as far as being Valkyrie, maybe, I don't know. Two or three years, I guess. And, uh, as Thor, I mean, that's longer, and it was also hard for people to understand when it happened, so. I get what you're saying, it's a little disconnected for that, so if you're not previewed to any Thor stuff before, there are definitely things in here that don't make sense. And they're not really good about telling us, when the two of them are on the date, we hear Michelle's name a whole lot, but we don't get, uh, we don't get, uh, Runa's at all. So, I can understand that being like, well, who are these two people? Why do they matter? And we don't even get to her being Valkyrie, except that they they tell the horse to go get her. So, like, that's a little rough too, I guess. I I don't know from that standpoint. I guess I, some of the characters I know know a lot better, so it's maybe that that grade is a little high because of that, <sighs> which makes me want to change it to a little bit lower simply because it's a little more reshuffling for people coming from a nowhere point of view on it.
2: Are we changing your?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I still like the book a lot, but so if you're a Thor person, I think this book lands better for you. And if you're a Valkyrie person, it would definitely land better for you. So from a point of view that you know that there's a movie of Thor, it does make this book a lot rougher. And unlike Metal Society, where it gives you all the pieces you need, ground running, even though there's still a mystery to certain things, there are mysteries that are there on purpose. And like this one, the mystery of who has Thor, where Thor is at, that's the mystery. But the rest of it is all wrapped around things that they expect you to know. So with that in mind, I still like the art a lot. and I still like the way certain things are written. So I'm I'm going to move it down to one to two and a half. Yeah, and it I'm has its stop at that.
2: It has its moments. It really does. It I does. mean, again, like we talked about the powers thing. Yeah. The art's fine.
1: All the scenes in the park, all the stuff mm. when she, she takes the old woman and talks about her
2: childhood. The scenes with Beta Ray Bill are great.
1: Well, because he's fantastic. Yeah, you can't be Better Ray Bill.
3: See, I don't like better rebuild. No.
1: Man, you don't horse like anything. is the best. Okay. The,
3: the, the but he's not the he best. Is. He's great. He's so cool. Okay, but why? Because he Have is. Have
1: you
2: seen him? Yeah, look at his face, dude. He's awesome.
3: Hell yeah. Yeah, it's a
2: donkey. He fought, that has he fought
1: a... Thor. He earned Odin's respect. Got his own hammer. Okay. It's awesome. I don't,
2: I don't care. was
1: in charge of protecting his people, which he did technically fell off.
2: Speaking of horses, you're right. The horse stuff in this is very funny. I did laugh. I did laugh at that. <laughs> it's very funny.
1: I just thought he's so like, rule number three, article 45. You're supposed to have carrots. And, then, <laughs> carrots. and then
3: and then this entire thing, which I was curious about because the cover has it. And like a lot of times when I see a cover, I'm like, okay, it's not going to follow everything. It's just, it's a cover, it's a cover. But this is like a... This is probably just the basic cover. It is a it say cover. And Thor has a sword in his hand made out of lightning, and I don't have any idea why he has a sword made of lightning.
1: I, I don't know that either.
3: That's see, not, and again, I don't know what the heck's going on, and I don't like the fact that they just put a sword of lightning in his hand. It's just a cover. And I'm like, mm, okay, well, but it's not just a cover. Um, he can't make swords out of lightning?
1: I mean, maybe he can. I guess I did you see go. him do that in... God, during the Jace, G- during the uh, Donny Cates run, he did do that for a second. Yes, I I wouldn't say it's a normal power, but I I just took it as a cover. I mean, since the guy's in the book for one panel and, or one page, I did not take much against that. But well, yeah, I do.
3: You can't give somebody a weapon made of something and like not elaborate on that. And so, okay, again, oh, that, that, that I mean, that's just my take on it. Like sure. I, I'd be like, uh, okay,
2: who's this chick?
3: The enchantress. The Girl in the Green.
1: The, the Girl in the
2: green. Green's Enchantress? That's the Enchantress. Okay.
3: She's never been in the
1: movies. She's, right, right. Uh, no. She's part of why whenever Thor returned Asgard from stories when J. Mark Straczynski was writing it years ago, after Asgard had Ragnarok happen, Thor goes around and finds all the Asgardians in their human hosts, given the choice to either stay as humans and let the entity die, or to become their mint Asgardian avatar he eventually finds a female who he believes is the Enchantress, and he thinks that if he gives her the chance to be one with them without being infected by Loki and his crazy loki then maybe she would unfold differently. Um, basically, she has a really, really, really big crush on Thor, and the same is felt, and Loki uses that to twist her in the old stories. Um, when, anyway, the point to the point before that, whenever he offers this woman the opportunity to transform into who he thinks is about va- is uh the Enchantress, it turns out to be Loki in disguise, and so that's how he got female Loki for a while in the comics. But yeah, the Enchantress, she's uh she's bad, but it comes from like really wishing Thor loved her more mostly. And that's basically how that works. Okay. But yeah, she doesn't have a counterpart really. I mean you could try to in the movies she doesn't have a counterpart. I mean the way they do Hela is kind of enchantressy, but it's it's more Angela's story than it is Enchantress's story, or sorry, than it is Hela's story. And that's a totally different bag of nuts. Um, we can talk about that in a second if you want. No, I mean, it's, no, it's totally no, no I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I believe you. It's, a uh, it involves image <laughs> I <believe graphics>.
2: you. <laughs> it's, it's actually really it's, cool. I'm good on the Thor-ness. But I'm it's, very Thor.
1: It's a different, uh, I mean, very rarely do we characters that move from one company to the other company. And that's what, what Angela or Angel, Angela was.
2: And her whole... Are you telling me anyways right now? Is that what you do? A little bit. i stop. <sighs> has nothing to do with Enchantress.
1: No, it doesn't. No, it's a separate piece that was in the same conversation. But yeah, that's who that character is in the in the story. I'm just kidding, man. Go on.
2: You it, can tell me all
3: about
1: it. It's fun to fall her apart because we're how, why she's around. Anyway, it's all n- nonsense in the way. Why Angel's
3: around or Enchantress?
1: No, the Enchantress. After we come to the J. H. Michael Straczynski stories... The Enchantress has been around
3: for decades, though.
1: Yeah, she has. But after Ragnarok, they all died. And the only... Re- it, it doesn't matter. It's a whole bunch of different stories. It's the Enchantress. She used to love Thor. Thor didn't love her. And now she's mad. That's the short answer.
3: 45, you want to finish up? Oh, yeah. It just... I give, like, a... The only thing that, like, redeems this issue is, like, I mean... Again, I, it's... I, the storytelling isn't bad. The art's not bad. I just don't know what the heck's going on. So it's just like, as a number one, it's like, it's, it's basically being a part of a club and being like, eh, you're not part of the club. Eh, not my problem. That's how I feel about this issue. So, I mean, as I read it, I can tell that the writing's decent. I can tell that the art's decent. So I would, like, if I was a Thor fan, I'd be like, oh, this is great. I give it like a four. But because I have no idea what's going on, and they don't care what that that nobody knows what's going on, and they're trying to be like, they're kind of elite about it. They're like, eh, we don't care what you think. I give it a one and a half. That's how I feel about it. That's my frustration. It's just like, they just really don't care.
1: I think it might be the idea that if you read this and you have questions, that they expect you to go backwards and read the old stuff. Okay,
3: but that's my thing. Is like, I... I read comic books from the perspective of the nine year old kid who walked down to 7-Eleven and got something off the newsstand. Right. And so, when I, if I was to pick this off the newsstand, I would not go back and look for more. I'd be like, I have no idea what's going on.
1: Right. No, and I, I hear what you're saying, which is why I changed my initial score.
3: I know. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, I. That's why I'm just like, uh, okay,
2: sure. It takes yeah. a lot of uh, bollocks to uh, change your score. I Me mean, not really.
1: I just, I, you know, it's fine. See, from there, we have an uh, interview with Becky Cloonan. Um, this is from the uh, WonderCon uh, 2022. Uh, so we're going to run that for you, and then we'll be back in just a second.
0: Hi guys, this is Steve at South Live Comics Podcast here at WonderCon 2022, and I'm here with...
4: Hi, I'm Becky Clunan, and I'm here just having. A, I'm happy to be here. It's really nice to be at WonderCon.
0: Heck yeah, well, fantastic! Well, Miss Becky, you've done a lot of art. How did you get into doing comic books?
4: Oh wow! Um, well, I've always been a fan of comics ever since I was a little kid, and I think my first book was like a Silver Surfer annual number one from like 1988. My dad got it. He was a Silver Surfer fan. He read it to me and. I got super into like the at a young age like the politics of like the Cree Scroll War, you know. It was just a weird child, um, and then it's you know it spiraled out into like X Men when I could like buy my own comics and uh, a lot of manga, and that's kind of I I knew at that point that I wanted to make comics. Um, and once I decided, once I discovered it, it was like oh, it's like a job you can do. I was like, that's the job that I want, you know. <laughs> so
0: yeah, it's awesome. Well, and art wise, like. Where's your art background come from? I mean, I know you've done some stuff school-wise, and, like, what... Tell us a little bit about that.
4: I went to uh, college for animation uh, at SBA in New York, um, and it was only because it was, like, late 90s, and, like, the comic industry was, like, kind of tanked, you know? Like, I just didn't see, like, any...
0: yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah, so... And even, like, I was 18, I was, like, 17 or whatever, and you could tell, like, this isn't going to work out for me, so uh, animation was booming. And then, the, like, two years into school, I'm in mega debt, you know, just, like, being like, what am I going to do with my life? And then all the animation is tanks. <laughs> so I was, like, you know, everyone in my class is, like, moving to 3D animation or they're, like, moving to illustration. Uh, and I was, like, I'm just going to drop out and make comics because that's what I wanted to do in the first place. So having that animation background, like, the foundation of it really helped, I think, just, like, the gesture drawing and, like, the intensive work that goes into animating was, like, kind of, you need that in comics, you know? Right. Yeah. They had us, like, taking acting lessons and stuff, too. It was really weird. I'm not an actor, but I think it really helps, like, at that age, I was, like, soaking everything in, you know? It was, like, formative.
0: We're learning how people move and how things, expressions and things from the acting, it was a good avenue to try to pick up new stuff.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So as far as projects, like, if you want to get your stuff... And they can't come to conventions. Where can they buy your things?
4: Um, I've got a web store uh, with my partner called Mystery School Comics Group, and you can just look that up, and it will pop up. Um, and that's where we put like all our self-published stuff and like sundry goods, like pins and patches and cool, cool little things, uh, prints. Um, but right now we're working on uh, Bat Girls and Wonder Woman, and for DC and we got Exo Man War with Valiant coming out in like, November. Oh. So we got like a lot on our plate. Um, I got some uh, creator-owned books with Image Comics, so you can go there. Just I have a lot of stuff. Just been making comics for so long, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah.
0: So, is there a character that you haven't worked on that, if you had a choice to just pick whatever you wanted to do, is there something you'd pick that you wanted to do? Probably, but I
4: don't want to. I don't want to jinx it by <laughs> saying it out loud. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, a good answer. Yeah. Actually, right now, I kind of like my goal is to get back to like my personal stuff i mean we're working on wonder woman for
0: right. for
4: goodness sake <laughs> you know that's uh that's like and and Batgirls, it's like i'm getting to work in like i love being in gotham that's super cool and like it's been great to be like part of wonder woman on the team that we're on right now so it's like these legacy characters that are like we get to write like i'm happy you know i can't complain I don't know, wish for anything that's like <laughs> I'll just let it happen, you know?
0: <laughs> right. Well, Batgirl is loving it. We did the we reviewed the first issue, it's fantastic.
4: Thank you so much. We're having so much fun. Um that book in particular is like you know, it's a place to go to like leave your worries at like at the cover. You know, just come in and like go on a like a little ride with us and it's that's fun. Yeah, we're trying to just have a good time. Excellent. Yeah.
0: What is your go to karaoke song?
4: Oh goodness. Um, okay, I really like Uriah Heap's "Easy Living" because it's short. You get in, you like. It's also like the probably the greatest song ever written. <laughs> it's like two minutes long. There's no like awkward like leading. You know, if you want to sing like something, it's got like a solo or something. There's no part where you're just like kind of. Now I got to play air guitar for like right. a minute and a half. And no, no
0: waiting for no reason. No
4: waiting for no reason. That's a really good one. Um, yeah, that might be it.
0: It's a good choice. Thank you. All right, so if you got stranded on a deserted island. Okay. And you only take five items with you, what five items would you take? So it's a deserted island, but
4: is it like a desert island, or is it... Tropical. Tropical. So I wouldn't need, like, I don't know, like a water... Like, is there a source of water on this island?
0: I mean, there's salt water. You're in the ocean, so it's salt water.
4: Okay, so I'd need something to um, purify the water would be the first thing. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to, like, probably look that up. Um, I'd need probably a knife. Probably bring a knife for that. Rope. You always need rope. Um, and, and I'm probably wearing as many clothes as I can just to have that because I don't know if there's going to be, like, a storm or some, You know, maybe you want extra clothes. Um, let's see. Maybe, like... A cyanide capsule just in case it gets to be too much and I want to like end it. I, said, I know that's a little dark, but I feel like you might want that. Um, and maybe a second knife that's bigger. A bigger knife. <laughs> like a really big one. Maybe like a sword. <laughs> so that might be my items, yeah.
0: Well, these are all good choices. Thank you. It's meant your full machete sure. and knife style.
4: Second, second knife, take that out. Fishing rod. Oh. Get. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm doing.
0: Because you want more practical? Okay.
4: Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Flint. I need flint. Oh, my God. Okay. Take out.
0: How about no, a I knife need. with a flint end?
4: Yes. Okay. A knife. Yeah, we want like the ultimate survival knife. So, like, maybe a, a Swiss Army knife, but like a giant one. You know, like, that's yeah, as big yeah, yeah. as the sword big swiss army knife with yeah, like, like a, tweezers like a and bowie stuff. knife, like a bowie swiss army knife <laughs> that's okay i got it i got it all
0: if that doesn't exist it should
4: i'm surviving it if i don't it's the, it's the cyanide for me <laughs> no take out the cyanide that's too dark we're gonna live we're gonna make it through this all right uh yeah and maybe like a phone so i can call someone to like get off this god forsaken rock <laughs> oh my god get me off this island <laughs> why did you do this to me
0: <laughs> oh fantastic All right, we got one more. Okay. If you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? No, it would melt. Oh, my
4: God. Right? Never, never, in a million years. You eat it. You eat the chocolate (laughs) pony. Is it sentient or sapient? Like, what's the... I mean,
0: it's Fantasyland, so I imagine it can talk to you.
4: Okay, so it's not just like a giant chocolate horse wouldn't eat the pony because I feel like maybe that's ethically wrong if it's alive, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, Scrap that. Okay. (laughs) pony's coming with me, and so I've got to, what do I do with it? I'll keep That's it cool. It? We're going to ride to a cool place so it's never going to melt. Yeah. We're going to save the pony.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for talking with me, Becky. I appreciate it so much.
4: Thank you so much. I'm sorry about the, the pill. That was really dark.
0: <laughs> if you want to have a way out, I understand that. It's good planning.
4: Look, it's Sunday. We're
0: tired. <laughs> it is the last day of the show, and it has been a very Looking long weekend. We're going out, but
4: not, not that way.
1: I just want to thank Becky again for taking the time to talk with me out out at the WonderCon that was awesome of her Uh, super neat lady fun artist awesome writer Uh, she showed me a whole batch of her uh, Norse mythology cards. she's got this whole thing going on with that so I would say check out her website I mean she's she's great so yeah, anything you pick up from her, I mean again, she's she's great. She's got a cover coming out for the uh new uh Artemis uh one shot coming out from DC, which Skyler Petri is gonna be drawing interiors to, so I'd say check that out too. That's only for the end of the podcast, but I did it a little early. Anyhow, um so from there you to moving the lesson
2: of the day. What'd you learn today, Mr. Brown? Um I learned a lot about Valkyrie, even though I didn't really want to. <laughs> uh, sorry. No,
0: no, that's, that's, a, see, <laughs> it's supposed to be fun. Uh,
2: yeah, I learned a lot about Valkyrie and, and, um, some, some pretty interesting stuff about the power that M- Molnir has, you know, once Jane gets it. Uh, it's pretty interesting. It's a different power than Thor's, so.
1: Yeah. 45, what'd you learn today?
3: Um, the people who are Thor fans think that they're better than everybody
1: else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they might. It is a pretty popular book right now. There's this whole movie coming. I remember time <sighs> Thor
3: wasn't good for like nine decades. So oh god, that. yeah, that's true. So just remember that, guys. Right? <laughs> it's like Manchester City yeah. fans. Like, you remember guys, your you guys roots. have been good for like five years. Remember your roots. Maybe, right? Maybe. Right. Like you guys have been kind of good. You got a real handsome dude from Australia to play you. Doesn't mean you're a good book. <laughs> like just remember where you came from, where right. nobody liked you. Well, that's there's definitely time. Could be elitist. Yeah. Just be like, hey guys, maybe we should all just be cool in this together. Nah. We're just gonna be we're just gonna pretend that we're cool to everybody.
0: <laughs> what did <laughs> I learn
3: the J Josh? That podcasting in the living room worked out really well. It didn't work out that well. Oh no, it didn't. Your microphone is messed up. Is it? Like there's a weird rubber band that goes around, like that holds them so it doesn't shimmy. Is definitely and for stretched. some years. For some reason, yours is all stretched out. Don't mess with it. Just leave it alone. <laughs> it, it's always been that way. I've told you that. I, well, we know, yeah. And that was like, like CBS is like, no, people have mess with it for years. I'm like, no, like it's, it's always ju- been that it's way, just yeah. the it's just messed up. Like, and it's just like because that one has actually been used the least, and I mess with my microphone more than that one. I don't know for some reason it just. Mm. Those things are just stretched out. Don't touch it. The bands are just the wrong size or It something. works fine. None of I mean, it side. works. They're just, they're yeah. So Mine are th- thicker and stronger, like, and mm. more tout, and those ones under just, like, really
1: stretched out works. messed
2: up. Yeah. Oh, I learned we can say bollocks on this podcast. I mean, within reason. It's oh, no, sorry. It says it's, bollocks. Three, it's three too many. Exactly. He's sorry. right. Okay. Nobody says bollocks. All right. You did well, earlier. During
1: a book that's British.
2: You know who else did? I bet Constance oh. he did that show. He,
1: no, he I don't know if he did or I not. I bet actually. he does. Gosh, that's a good question. I bet
2: he does. Yeah, nobody
3: says that over there.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's what I learned. Nobody says that. Mm.
3: <laughs> uh, all right. I you guys, told you what you learned. Yeah, I can't yeah, learn so two things. All a giant
1: circle. Uh, so books to watch. You guys have any books on your radars or no?
3: Not this one. Not Jane Foster, the Mighty Thor. Okay. Not watching it.
2: I did read Batman Fortress by Gary Widow. I know I've been saying it almost every episode and it's really good. Um I enjoyed uh, where it's going very very much. What's interesting to me and I listened to um an interview with him about it and he was like, "Oh, you know, I wanted to, you know, do this new Batman concept about, you know, there being a blackout." And he's like, "What's interesting is that legitimately right now DC Black Label has the exact same storyline." And he's like, "I came to DC and I was like, "Hey, this is what I wanted. He originally pitched it as a Superman story, first of all, and they were like, hey, the Batman, you know, movie's coming out. Can you make it Batman and he's Like, yeah, sure. And so, uh, <laughs> what's funny, I think, is, again, he pitched, you know, this Blackout thing, and DC was like, oh, yeah, cool. He's like, well, you guys already have a book about, you know, what Blackout got them. They're like, that's fine. We don't, we don't mind. I was like, wow. What? That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Fortress is, is really good. Um, and then, of course, what's the other one I'm reading? <laughs> Flashpoint. Flashpoint. Well, he knows what I'm reading. Flashpoint and Dark Crisis. I know. I'm <laughs> he, he knows what I'm reading, Yeah. yeah. What's that thing again? What's that thing Yeah, yeah Flashpoint, uh, new Flashpoint stuff's really good, too. So. Game number three of it just came out, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Um, we'll see. As far as books to watch, uh, we're getting it and I think this is awesome. And most of you probably never even heard this thing, unless you listen to a lot of this podcast. Um, so they're doing another sequel to Shirtless Bear Fighter. It's going to be called Shirtless Bear Fighter 2. Uh, it's going to be a seven part miniseries this time around. Is hilarious. Uh, it's being done by two of the co-creators, Jody uh, Lipia and uh, Niall Mendels. So it, it's a return to it. It's not all the original team, but it's half of them. And uh, Shirless Bearfighter is hilarious.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh no, it's great. It's wow. so, so good.
3: No, you, I mean, you're going to disagree. Did you, you never even read Shirless Bearfighter. Yeah, I stood in the comic store and read it because you're like, this book's great! It's not great. No. I think it's fantastic cause it's
1: funny it's about a dude who's raised by bears eventually has to try to save the forest from a company making toilet paper it's hilarious
2: that's pretty funny it is it sounds
1: funny so funny art was fun in it that's great so I would say watch for that thing because if you want fun comic books then I would say watch for that thing because it's awesome uh, there's another one coming out from, that, that's going to come out from Image um, so I've got one that's coming out from Dark Horse called Minor Threats and Minor Threats is in the June catalogue? So it's in the newest catalogue right now. So if you get into the store or whatever, look, look at the preview's website, it's it's there. Um it's been written by Patton Oswald and the artist on it is uh Scott Hepburn. And basically what it is is it's about how it's hard to be a supervillain when you're the lowest level supervillain. So not the superpowered, not the destroy the world types, but just regular supervillains. It's hard to be them. And it's a story about a batch of kind of comical looking Psychic thug types uh, that are considered to be a minor threat, and uh, the the little write, the write up for it sounds awesome, and uh, Pat Oswald he's a pretty funny guy.
2: He is funny. So his Modok show got canceled though, which I was super know, bummed about because I thought it was funny.
1: Modok was funny, but it's almost too much. Yeah, like, and the way the way it was the way it was animated was almost too much. Robot too. Chicken style, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I I didn't hate it. I, uh, I actually thought it was pretty funny, but animation. like it, it's the I think both those things together were just too much. For an, an audience that's like, we like action-packed Marvel stuff, because it really wasn't that.
2: No, 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 no. It was.
1: It was a funny show. Like, if it was Robot Chicken skits, it'd probably still be going right now. Yeah.
2: Because of the episodes audience
1: yet. is different for that versus proper Marvel things.
2: I have another book to watch, this Predator number 1 coming out in oh, July. Yeah. looks awesome.
1: Well, I think we got Predator's moving back over to Marvel. I know, he so, used to be Dark Horse. Uh, yes, for Longest Time is Dark Horse. Longest Time. Uh, but yeah, with the new alignment of the world, uh, it will be a marvel.
2: I love Predator. I'll totally pick that up. It should be pretty
1: cool. We're going to have a month full of uh, Predator variant covers, so...
2: Well, the sh- uh, new movie comes out, I think, in July as well. It does.
1: So it'll be interesting to see timing-wise how that all plays with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it looks pretty cool. The uh, The variant covers are just variant covers, so, you know, yeah, Thor fighting a Predator and Iron Man fighting a Predator, it's awesome. But That's yeah. awesome. It's cool, but they're That's just cool. they're just covers. So still,
2: I would love to see that on a cover. Like oh, yeah, Iron Man beaming up. Yeah, it's great. Pred- Pred- Predator's so cool.
1: So I yeah, can't
0: okay. wait
2: to watch the Comanches and the Predators fight.
3: So yeah, the movie looks amazing.
2: Oh yeah, I think this could be great. I didn't know it was on Hulu. I thought it was a. Uh, oh weird. Yeah, it's on Hulu. I thought it was going to be a uh, uh, theatrical release. So, so it's, it's on Hulu. I'll be damned. I saw a trailer for it tonight when we were watching the game.
1: I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, Josh, you got any action figure news over there?
2: I
3: do all sorts. GI June just came out again today. They released that. Um, they showed the Sergeant Slaughter figure that's coming out. It's like the GI Joe, um, the six inch line, the one twelfth line. Um, supposedly it's being released on the day of San Diego Comic Con starts. Not a San Diego Comic Con exclusive, but only mm-hmm. released that day. It'll be like across. It'll be available everywhere. But they were teasing that it, it is going to be released alongside of somebody that Sergeant Slaughter likes to punch in the face, meaning that they're, it's, it's, I assume because what I've seen and what's been rumored, because they have not like shown Dr. Mindbender yet, that Dr. Mindbender is going to be the Sandy Diego Comic-Con exclusive. That, but they haven't like talked about it on the uh, official like Hasbro Pulse sites or like live stream things. Right. But they're saying the rumor is that it's going to be Serpentor. Ooh. With the, with the air chariot. So I don't know. It, I, I don't know. Anyway, Sergeant Sodor cool. Um, upcoming releases are going to be a, a original rock and roll. Or no, not rock and roll, Outback. Because Outback is being released in Tiger Force colors from Target, but that's been like already happened. Yeah, it's happened. But they're doing cool. uh, that officially. Like they're doing the original version of one says like survival on his chest yeah. and his white t shirt. So that's, um, Cover Girl is coming out, a Crimson Bat, um, a Slaughter's Marauders Barbecue, oh, which that's I thought, cool. I know that's one of your jams. Yeah, I like that one. Um, and then a, Renegade style storm shadow with a white timber, which is really cool, which is up for um, pre-order currently on Big Bad Toy Store. And then also a new Transformers G.I. Joe crossover. Um, it's the AWE Striker. It's the little like doom buggy Jeep thing. It's the green one. Um, but it will be Bumblebee and it comes with, a st- um, Stalker. Um, O-ring style Stalker. Classic which, style, yeah. Which, which is pretty cool. uh if you like Transformers, G.I. Joe crossover things, which is neat, but, um, the, I'm not sure, it's cool, I mean, it looks really cool, I mean, but, uh, anyway, the next rumor, they still haven't shown, or, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that's been, per, for all that kind of stuff that's been pre-ordered, out uh, for pre-order, not up for pre-order, but, um, the next rumor, not rumor, but, the ones that they've said with their mouths that are coming out for sure are copperhead and Wetsuit will be the two next ones coming that we have not seen yet. Okay. But I don't know. They're Is just, it regular line figures? The most most of it unless it's a, unless it's like a a color variant, it's going to be a regular line figure. Gotcha. So, there's all that. Um they did show like the packaging and um which I don't know why anybody would care because, like, we've seen those figures a thousand times since, like, since they came out in the 80s, but, like, the the Duke versus Cobra Commander O-ring right. pack. pack it, I mean, the packaging is what I guess, what, but everything else it just looks just like the original stuff. So right. it is what it is. Yeah, it's those
1: retro re-releases
3: that are done like
1: actual figures rather than the retro line that's like the t Crotch figures. Which is weird. But.
3: No, because there's the what Super 7 or whatever does the T-Crotch yeah. versions of G.I. Joe's, but the, this is like the O-Ring.
1: Right. The difference between the two, they're both classic style, but one's actual classic and the other one's the T-Crotch, which is like not it's not real classic style, but it, the way it's designed is to look like classic. Mm. Didn't they do a Storm Shadow Snake Eyes 2-pack that were that way already with the O-Rings? Yeah. Yeah, it's the same style.
3: But the Super Seven T Crouch ones that are coming out look like the cartoons, though. These ones oh, like look like true. the it's like So, the actual yeah, that that's the difference. So, like the T Crouch weird ones that you see at Target that are Target exclusives are only look like the car. Their cartoon, correct? Right. These ones look like the like the original figures du- that came Duke out from the cartoon. Does not look like Duke from the O Ring line. He's his head's actually based off of one of the original Hasbro. Employees. Just oh, that's fine. Like, most most of the original heads from the GI Joe's are based off of um, Hasbro employees. Oh, I didn't and, know that. That's yeah. cool. That's oh, why they look weird. No, I think I like it. So, and also the Usagi figure that we've talked about, like maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, they just released more images, packaging, and art. It's going to be a Target exclusive as well for the like, the Teenage Mutant a Line. Oh, okay. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be. Relatively easy to grab because, like, figures were really, really incredible. Well, other than that, I mean, nothing big, big right now. Cool. With with the fuel prices the way that they are, that obviously is going to jump action figure prices because, um, fuel comes from petroleum, so does plastic. So, there you go. So, if you like toys, they're coming from weird places and so they're going to have to be shipped. Right. And then also, like, yeah, you know, it comes from oil. So there's that. Yeah, production all around.
1: Open up the pipeline, right?
3: They did make the first maiden voyage of the first like a uh, elect uh not like like well whatever, like not human ran um shipping freighter from overseas. Oh really? Yeah, I just saw it on the interwebs. The I saw it on on the line yesterday. On the line. On the line On the Line. Silly. So you put it on the line. Right. He so yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Uh well, it's a key. It's
1: a key. It's a key. Nope.